Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey everyone, how's it going? We are here, Winnipeg Sports Talk, on a Wednesday, November 25th. What's going on? Michael Remus here in for Hustler, uh, hosting the show. If you haven't been on Twitter, Hustler is at the World Cup in Qatar right now. He is at this Canada-Belgium game. I don't know if it was a smart idea to do the show at the same time as this soccer game that you know, I think at least 3 million people in the country are going to be watching, but uh, hey, I'm not changing up the routine, and I'll try not to do any spoilers or anything. Who knows? But we do have a great show coming up today. The Jets in Minnesota. A big, big divisional matchup tonight. The Jets coming off their win on Monday in overtime against Carolina. Um, we're going to be talking about the Bombers. Locker cleanout yesterday. That loss still stinging. I don't know. If, it's going to take a while. I don't know if I'm over it. It's going to take a while to get over. We'll be talking about it. And the player reaction with Darren Bombing, Scott Billick, with all the lineups uh, and stuff from the morning skate there. He is in Minneapolis. And we'll be hearing about the Wild from Jesse Pierce uh, with the Bar Down Beauties podcast. The Wild, not as great of a start as we thought. 8-8-2, eight, eight, and two, minus 5 goal differential. Uh, I think Marc-Andre Fleury's banged up. Uh, well, so we'll get a beat on her. What's uh, what's going on with Minnesota this year? And lastly, David Pagnotta, the fourth period. This is the NHL. We're at Thanksgiving. The playoffs are set, right? If you're in the playoffs at Thanksgiving, you should be in the playoffs at the end of the year. That's, that's the old wives' tale, as they call it. So lots to get to today. And hey, got to give out a shout-out to all our sponsors. Make this show possible. Consolidated Supply. Fight a hell. Uh, Wallace and Wallace, not Autocorp, Royal Sports, F Apparel, we got Princess Auto, Culligan, Canadian Club, Boston Pizza, Nick and Nicky DQ, Little Brown Jug, and Coolbet. So uh, I want to thank everyone for coming in on the show. I see a lot of people multi-screening. Maybe you got one on a tablet, one on the TV. I do have the Canada game on. Um, so we are all excited for them being back in the World Cup. And I got to say before that, I've seen a lot of takes on the World Cup and soccer from a lot of North Americans who may not be in the soccer 24-7. We've become a soccer nation more here in Canada. But the one that I am enjoying is I'm seeing a lot of people kind of confused about injury time. And if you watch soccer, you know that at the end of a half, they have something called injury time or extra time. It's an undetermined amount of time that at the referee's discretion, they can add based on stoppages. And I am, it's 2022, like we can't get a clock, we can't figure out how to stop the time. Why are we having a more precise measurement here of how much extra time there is? It is, I enjoy that, I found it, I found it kind of funny. Anyways, uh, we'll bring in Murad here, we'll talk about the Jets, 11-5-1, we're at the Thanksgiving break, it's been, not Thanksgiving, well there's a, I don't know when to call it a break, they're playing on Black Friday, but we're at US Thanksgiving, which is Pretty much the quarter point of the season. They've played 18 games out of 82. Things are looking pretty good. And I thought it would be great to have Murad on and just be like, hey, what's going on with this team here? And just take a, we'll take a bit of a micro look at what we saw on Monday, but more of an overall on you know, how the season has lived up to our expectations. And here, let's welcome in Murad Atesh from The Athletic. 
The Jets and Thanksgiving, 11-5-1, comfortably in a playoff spot, which means, of course, they're going to be in the playoffs at the end of the season, right? Anyways, uh, looking at the Jets uh, here, can you compare this team as it stands now to what we saw last year when we've been saying all summer that kind of very similar roster? Yeah, it's... You know, one of the best storylines of Winnipeg hockey in a city with lots of great storylines uh, sports-wise, and it's a great storyline in the division and the Western Conference, is that while well, Winnipeg was up against it heading into the offseason, we've talked about all that stuff you know, a couple of times, and, and then they hire Rick Bonus and change the captaincy and how well are they actually going to play out on the ice, especially when Nikolai Ehlers gets hurt two days in. Um, I saw a Sean Reynolds report that, you know, the surgeries happened today, six weeks out, which seems soon anyway. So without Nikolai Ehlers with injuries to, to so many other players, and yet the process has been so much better. And Remus, I think, you know, I'm a big, is this sustainable guy? Like that's, you know, a question I ask a lot. Sure, they're winning. How are they winning? Is it okay that they're winning that way? And, you know, in the last couple of years, it's been hard to make that argument with a fan base that has seen some early season wins and didn't necessarily always, I I don't want to say not want to hear it, but, you know, you want to believe that things are good. And I remember this time a year ago now where the Jets had gotten out to some early wins, but I was on those early road trips and I was writing, well, you know, there's, they should be playing better. There's process missing here. They're kind of getting by by the skin of their teeth a little bit. At this stage, to look at their record, their winning record, I think they're full value for it. And I think that whether it's Hellebuck or whether it's coaching, whether it's all of those different little things that get into it, it's flat out a better team. And yeah, I agree with you. Probably, probably, probably they're going to make the playoffs. I'm starting to believe it myself. And, you know, you mentioned are they winning and is it sustainable? I think if they had, you know, kept playing like they played on that road trip in LA and Vegas where Hellbuck had to stand on his head for them to earn points. But you've just seen, I don't know if it's resiliency or that they don't give up that games where they're not at their best, they're winning. And they're, you know, when they're down um, and not playing the best, they're finding ways to win. You look at the game against Seattle where they came back, Arizona. And now some of those are in overtime, but last year, they weren't winning overtime games. And this year, their overtime record has been pretty good. And that's almost the difference between playoffs and not last year. And it just seems like, as you said, a lot of different things are coming together, um, leading, you know, leading to them being in the playoffs. And one of them has definitely been the goaltending in Connor Hellebuck, who's been uh, absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I don't know where I'm going with this, but uh, we can go... <laughs> Go to the. I will say to Hustle. No, yeah. Oh, Hust. See, yeah. look at that instinct. Instinct. Yeah. Andrew Hustle Patterson out in Doha, still thinking of you. Yeah. Um, no, Remo, I was thinking, like, if you're looking for signs of unsustainability, mm-hmm. you know, and this could, bite, this could bite me because I'm saying the process has been good. The process has been good. That road trip you mentioned, good to point out. I mean, that, the process was not good. Um, but if you look at teams that collect a lot of overtime points, Usually there's some paper tigers there. That's something that you can usually expect to regress to about 50-50 because, you know, unless you're Connor McDavid, there's not really a, that huge of a difference between some of the top-end talent on teams. Also, goaltending is another one that can come back to earth. And I think, 
that you and me, we probably look at Hellebuck's career and think, well, this is him coming back away from Earth and into the stratosphere, I guess, to, to keep the words going, as opposed to crashing down to Earth. I don't think that we're, we're looking at Hellebuck and thinking, well, his numbers are going to crash this season. I think we're looking at it and saying, well, he's put a lot of seasons together just like this one. And, well, look at what he can do when the defense is a little bit better in front of him. So it's not perfect, but yeah, I I think that there's enough to like when they beat the teams that they're supposed to beat. When there are moments of games where you know you kind of look to last year's versions of the club, and you would think there's probably going to be some point at which they give this one away. That's not happening. You can watch a lot of those games and believe Winnipeg's getting enough chances, moving the puck well enough, avoiding the major mistakes well enough. You can start to see. That yeah, they they're at least average because they're beating a lot of the teams they should beat, and there's some times when they beat the good ones too. I'll say this about Hellebuck last year. I've been thinking about him a lot lately as it's come up on the show. I have a newborn at home, and I am running this show right now on very little sleep. So I couldn't imagine. Um, I don't know what the delegation of parenting duties are, but uh, I think we can explain him going from the best goalie to only a top ten goalie in the NHL. Last year, we had the we had the newborn narrative uh, all season. And you mentioned the Jets winning the games they're supposed to win in the past. They didn't do that. They won against Montreal in overtime, didn't have their best. They who had blew Chicago at home. But they're also beating good teams, winning against Dallas at home, uh, winning against Carolina on Monday. And this brings us to Monday's game. I mean, that process looked great for 55 of those 60 minutes. What happened there? In those last five, have you ever seen three goals with the goalie pulled? You know what? I, I couldn't remember it, um, but then I went digging, and I guess it happened. St. Louis scored three times in a losing effort against Arizona. Wow. They also gave one up into their own empty net against Arizona in 2021, I think February 21. But um, I was talking to Brad, who, uh, who runs a natural stat trick, and he found one that I had seen and forgotten about where the Anaheim Ducks did it to the Edmonton Oilers in the playoffs in 2017, I think it was. So I guess it was, yeah, sort of party in 2017 it was. And, I, you know, that was in and around the time of my life. I was having concussions and stuff like that. But I remember coming back from, like, from, a, from a waiting room to watch that happen and, I mean, maybe that's why I forgot. Oh, my goodness. Tra- traumatic brain injuries. Probably shouldn't joke about them. Um, the thing is, though, yeah, I guess it's happened a couple of times is what I'm saying. And then to but to watch it, to watch it live, to watch it in that building where, like you said, the process was pretty good for Winnipeg against Carolina. They're supposed to be such a heavy forechecking team. Well, every time Winnipeg went back into its own zone, it moved the puck quickly. The Jets... Got to get into some video here, I think, because I think the Jets identified something in the way Carolina was dumping the puck in and was coming back very with two options very low in the zone, and they were breaking out really well against a team that's impossible to break out really well against. So I thought, okay, great coaching, great execution. Maybe Carolina's just tired. I don't know. But then for five minutes, everything that could go wrong did. I mean, Carolina was getting deflection goals. Winnipeg was having the opportunity to score into an empty net. They missed. You know, the Jets could have continued to run a, a, a deep group of forwards, but they sat three of their four penalty killers, at least at, at forward, to run a top six back-to-back, first line, second line, first line, second line. 
um, or a newfangled version of those with a lot of the veterans at the end. So probably they were tired. Even then, you know, Josh Morrissey goes to, to block a shot. It goes through him. Riddick is screened. And so the Carolina Hurricanes just kept coming. And every single bounce that they needed, whether it was Winnipeg self-inflicted or Andrei Svechnikov making great plays or the puck hitting just what it needed to bounce. I mean, when you have one of those, I don't want to say once in a lifetime, but once in a once in a several-year stretch of uh, play type of experiences, it takes a lot of those things just bouncing wrong. And, man, if David Riddick had not come away with that win, can you imagine the confidence shift in, in his career? Or, sorry, in his maybe his career. I meant to say his season, but maybe it's that big for a goaltender known for his, uh, for his emotionals. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you can fault him. It seemed like it was open season on the tip drill in front. Guys were just having no problem uh, getting their stick out on, on those Burns point shots. Um, I saw, first of all, you mentioned that you're on a first-name basis with Brad from Natural Statric, which... Uh, yeah, no big deal. Yeah, little, no big deal, Remo. little name-dropping. Deal. Yeah, that's pretty cool. But you, see, you tweeted out about the Jets shortening their bench in the third period for a team that's preached unity and, you know, everyone's a family, and, you know, they've had, you know, fourth-line players in key situations making key contributions in the past. Uh, I remember, you know, Sam Gagne scoring a big goal, or who was a Gustafson. I mean, why do you think they decided to shorten the bench there in that, th- in that third period, the last five minutes? I'm, I, mean, I mean, that's a great question. It's kind of a failure of us collectively, is that we didn't ask that question in the postgame. But in, in terms of sort of interpreting it, I think first off, you never expect that there's going to be three, three goals scored against. Yeah. So early on in the three nothing sort of sphere, probably you don't mind just going to your big guns and maybe one of them gets a gets a goal for free. Games on ice, you don't have to worry about it too much. Um, maybe that has a little bit to do with it. At the same time, Rick Bonus rearranged those forward lines to you know to elevate Adam Lowry and uh, you know to take Cole Perfetti out of that group. In, in that top six. So it was, you know, a, almost a veteran exclusive group of players. And so maybe that's a sign that the coaches wanted to, you know, thought that the veterans were having a good game or, excuse me, thought that the veterans were the ones that should be trusted. And I think it's right to mention Gustafson or Axel Jonsson Fjallby or Saku Mainalainen, who were parts of Winnipeg's extremely successful penalty kill. And they're really sound defensive players so maybe it's that they don't have the, you know, the coaches trust in those high leverage moments with the game on the line. Maybe it's the coach never quite thought the game was on the line until it was three, two. And then all of a sudden you go right back to the veterans. I'm not too sure. Um, but I don't think that bonus really thought fatigue was an issue because he didn't choose to use a timeout either. Um, even as he went from line one to line two and line one to line two on defense, I get it. Maybe, I could understand not putting Ville Hanala out there in his first game in a while um, in, a, in a situation like that. So just use the top four. That makes sense. But up front, there were a lot of good penalty killers, good defensive players that just got missed. Yeah, a lot. I actually like that explanation. They, they didn't think they were going to score three empty net goals. They figured out, put these guys out, try to get one, and it kind of gets away from you. That's, I think that's uh, reasonable. Uh, you mentioned Ville Hanala. He made his season debut on Monday. Uh, what are your early impressions? And he's getting back in the lineup tonight is Dylan DeMello. Uh, he's still out, but they're hoping he's back uh, Friday. Yeah, I think Ville Hainala looks closer to Ville Hainala as we know and expect him to be. 
I was pretty critical of his camp, especially early, to be honest. And, you know, in a situation where there was probably a job to be won, um, you know, between Dylan Sandberg, maybe Logan Stanley was in that mix. I know he's hurt now, but, you know, in terms of winning jobs, Ville Hainala had an opportunity to come in and show, well, hey, I'm an NHL player through and through. And I think he was tentative. I don't think he was confident. And when he made some of those early mistakes, I'm sure the stakes were so high for him that that played into it as well. Well, since going back to the Manitoba Moose, he's found his game again, and he's back to the player where on that team, everything runs through him at every strength of play. He's a good defensive player. He moves the puck so well. The breakouts run through him in the offensive zone. The play often runs through him as well. The power play often runs through him. And I think he's got a little bit of that swagger back in terms of knowing what he can do and knowing that each puck touch is going to be good. There was one mistake that I can think of where he just completely mishandled a puck in the neutral zone. The puck came to him and it just bounced off of his stick to a Hurricanes player. And, and that was a bit of a what just happened. But he tracked back so quickly, so aggressively, and he threw his body in the way of that player catching up to him and stopping him at the far post. And that's the kind of effort that you'd like in that situation. The rest of his game, I thought, was really clean. And it's nice to see that he'll get another look tonight. Yeah, that that defense, you've been talking about it all summer until now. And you know, a number of teams uh, with injuries on the back end, you have to wonder what happens here uh, with the Jets because they're going to be without uh, Nikolai Ehlers. We found out today, as you said, surgery out for six weeks. How do they manage? I mean, they've managed without him pretty well uh, going, you know, since the beginning of his injury. But now you have Appleton out. Barron continues to be out. Um, how do they manage without being Ehlers for another six weeks? I mean, I think that there's no way around the fact that there's going to be some treading water to it. And I know their record is good. So, okay, there might be some being like, who needs this guy? You know, what, what, what did he ever bring Winnipeg's winning without him? And, you know, that's, that's not necessarily how it works. The Jets have played well and earned it. But over the long haul, you want a tremendous amount of quality available to you, and that's that player. So what do they do? They're in a tough spot without Appleton, too, because they've been made to promote Sam Gagne to the top line. Um, Kyle Connor and Mark Scheifele are starting to go, and Gagne has chemistry with them offensively. He can certainly think the game offensively and execute plays, that tremendous backhand pass for Kyle Connor uh, over the weekend. Um, There are some plays that he can make that really show that, that top-end talent and skill. At the same time, he doesn't really have the foot speed. He doesn't have the size. So you worry about him in that you know game-on-the-line um, sort of situation defensively, I would say, as smart as he is. And so um, that you lose a little bit of there. From time to time, you see, De- Ooh, uh, you see Adam Lowry get promoted to that line, and it's just to, to add a little bit of defense or to make sure they win a face-off. So that's one of the contingency plans. But I think that it's going to be really, really tough unless secondary scoring continues. And Mikey Isamont got his first NHL goal against Carolina. Turned out to be huge. They needed every goal they got that day. Um, And that was on a nice hustle follow-up of a David Gustafson breakaway. That breakaway was made possible by David Gustafson's excellent defensive work, uh, knocking a puck loose and then collecting it again from Jansen Harkins, who set him up. Winnipeg needs that secondary scoring in a big way because all teams really have to do otherwise is saw off the, that, those top two lines um, and, then, and then just make hay against the bottom half. And um, I think it's going to take a, 
yeah, it's going to be hard, but I think it's going to take a concerted effort from a lot of guys who aren't necessarily known for producing big points. And we do need to give a shout out to the what the bottom six forwards. They weren't getting a lot of production from them last year. You bring in Saku, Manalainen, uh, Axel, Jonsson, Fialbi, waiver claim, uh, and Sam Gagne, who's kind of he's been up and down. But uh, I think one of the you know key differences from this year to last year early on is they're getting contributions from that bottom line that was kind of, that was, you know, under the radar uh, remodeled in the off season. Yeah. It's a win for the pro scouts, I think. And it's, um, I, I don't know if that's a, that's a change in philosophy at their end, if they just happen to hit on these few guys specifically, but I think that they brought in people that we didn't know a lot about like Manalainen or Johnston Fiabi or even Kevin Stenland, who's been good for the moose, but showed well with Manalainen at Jets camp. They're, they did well to bring in guys who could help in those roles. And, you know, it's kind of, it's cost a guy like Jansen Harkins some minutes. Signing Kyle Capobianco cost the Jets, um, Jonathan Kovacevic altogether. I think they were surprised he was claimed. Um, so being able to fill in at that back end, uh, you know, whether it's the depth forwards or depth defense, I think helps in a big way. And to talk to Rick Bonus. He talks about load management in a, in a season, in a full season context. And so I think it's supposed to help to be able to trust these guys so that Winnipeg's top six, you know, especially when Ehlers returns, can really have an impactful second half of the season and even into the playoffs. Yeah, I think that's the, that's the goal. It seems to be working. It's kind of funny. I mentioned, you know, the impact they've had, but then I look at the stats. Jonsson Fialbi's got one goal in 15. Menelainen's got two points in 17. And Gustafson, three points in 17. So not not a lot, but it feels like they've contributed in a defensive role, uh, penalty killing. And you have noticed, like, he's got one goal, Axel, but I thought he's, leading up to that goal, which was a big one, he was uh, having some pretty good chances and, and he was rewarded. But we, I think a lot of people have noticed a difference of those guys. One person we've noticed a difference in, uh, Josh Morrissey, I think, you know, other than Connor, Connor Hellbuck with the way he's played, he's got to be the story of the season. I don't know if anyone saw him leading the team with 18 points in 17 games. Point-per-game player, he's top 10 among defensemen in scoring. Um, you know, he had the down year two years ago. He had a bit of a resurgence last year, but uh, what are you seeing from Josh Morrissey that's fueling this breakout here uh, at this point of the season? I mean, it's got to be part continuation of last year's resurgence because I know after finally having, I guess, the time to even train properly, but also a little bit more peace with the passing of his father. I think that, you know, heading into last season, Morrissey took it on himself to, to, to really make that step forward that he'd been missing in a little while. Heading into last season, he also changed his training. And we talked to you know, he and I talked a little bit about that for a story I wrote last season where, you know, gone were pure strength, uh, you know, initiatives. And he was really, really working on explosiveness and speed. And I think that was a step forward to watch him skate right now. I mean, I think he's as fast and as effortless looking on the ice as he's ever been. I mean, there have been plays where you're watching him. He's boxing out a guy while skating and generating strides and speed as somebody's leaning on him in the offensive zone, he's fighting the guy off and still accelerating. I'm like, how do you do that? You know, I, that's, that's a situation where, you know, he's added a dynamism to his skating even above beyond, I think what we've seen before. So I think for me, like to watch him, you know, 
his his skating is where this incredible surge comes from and it has to be rooted in and at the same time you know you talk to him and he credits coaching and Winnipeg has given its defensemen the green light, as Rick Bonus likes to say. Um, they're getting more, actually more, instead of just talking about it, they're seeing forwards come back to help so defensemen can jump up into the play. Forwards are finding ways to use them. Morrissey's speed is tailor-made for that situation. And it's not just skating speed, but it's decision speed. He has an assertiveness with the puck. He's making plays. He's setting his teammates up. So many assists. But Remo, the one thing that, that stunned me because we've talked to Rick Bonus, and every few days a different reporter says, hey, you know, what's making Josh Morrissey so great? And we've talked about the systems, and we've talked about, you know, Morrissey's character, and we've talked about his speed and all of that sort of stuff. But Bonus said for the first time after the Carolina game, he shared that, well, when they spoke this summer, he told Morrissey specifically, when Norris Trophy voting comes in, I think you're a guy that can be in the top 10, and I want to see that from you. And Remo, I didn't know it was as easy as telling Morrissey to be great and then he could be great just like <laughs> that. But it seems to be working for the for the Winnipeg Jets. There's harmony in his style, the way he plays, and the way that he's being coached right now. It's crazy to think that he could have been, maybe he could have been this player and all it need, we needed was Rick Bonus to tell him that he could be great and then he could be great. <laughs> that's, all, that's all that we need. And it's amazing seeing you know, how much you hear the players talk about the impact that he's had on this team. Uh, the Jets are in Minnesota tonight, and you actually traveled to Minnesota and spoke with the families of uh, Dylan Sandberg and Neil Pionk and Hermantown. What did you learn about them that we can see in this great, uh, this great article in The Athletic? Oh, man. Uh, yeah, thanks for mentioning that. Um, it was, it was such, a, such a good trip. I drove, out to, um, I drove out to Hermantown, which when it was a little bit warmer, I should say, um, and got treated to a full day of Hermantown community. I, I had, you know, coffee and a good hour chat with with Neil Pionk's parents, Scott and Karen, outside their home. Um, and they live on this beautiful acreage that they they bought in 2000. I think it was 2000. And, you know, Scott Pionk is in landscaping. They made a, a perfect ball diamond there. There's an outdoor rink that they have set up there. It was a, just a playground paradise for the kids growing up. And they hosted all kinds of neighborhood tournaments, and they had this holiday cup that they that they would play with with the neighboring kids, you know, from you know the the farm over kind of dealer from from town itself. Um, we went to Hermantown Arena, where the banners just lined the place: state championships, boys and girls, runners up banners, uh, second in the state. You know, when they moved to Hermantown in the year two thousand. I think there were two banners at Hermantown Arena. Now you can't look up. It's just wall to wall to wall. They've done so much winning. You know, Dylan Sandberg is a part of that. He's got two uh, two state championships to his name as well. And so we got to meet his folks. His dad is just a mountain of a man, like even bigger than Dylan is, I think. Um, and the connections between those two families go way back. The one thing I'll share specifically, I mean, just to think of, just the connections that go between the Winnipeg Jets, you could never even imagine. Neil Pionk, when he found out that he was traded to the Winnipeg Jets from the New York Rangers, he was golfing with Dominic Toninato, who his dad was friends with from back in the day. And there's a photo of Neil Pionk as a five-year-old scoring a goal in one of the outdoor rinks. And in the background, you got Jim Toninato on one side 
um, and Scott Pionk on the other side cheering this goal. That's a pretty cool connection. Um, Mike Sandberg, Dylan's dad, used to play softball against uh, against Scott Pionk and just, I guess, hit moonshots all day. Just a great athlete and a big, powerful guy. Um, but then it was about the moms. And the, one, the story I wanted to share that, you know, the story was and is, and you really got to read it. It's it's why does this tiny city produce not just these two players, but Cole Kepke at the Tampa Bay Lightning, all kinds of college stars, Hobie Baker winners, AHL players, ECHL players, uh, players playing pro leagues overseas, and yet there's 10,000 of them in this in this big, small town or little city. And they basically put it to me, it's like community. And I give so many examples in the piece, but one of them is Karen Pionk gets a phone call from her son, Joe, one day. He's nine years old. He's at the rink in the warming shack. There's warming shack. There's a free for use phone there. He's like, mom, mom, are, are, are you here yet? Are you coming? What's, what's the deal? And she gets a sense. Okay. What's, what's the emergency? And he says, well, I've just been playing all day and, and I'm starving. And so she feels bad for him. He's like, okay, well he needs a meal to keep playing before I can get home for get, get over there from work. So she says, well, go, go look around to the rink. Are, are, are there any moms that we know? And so he goes and runs off. The phone's just like dangling from its wire. He comes back to the phone and tells Karen that, yeah, Patty Sandberg is here. Um, and that's Dylan Sandberg's mom. So Karen says, okay, cool, no problem. You know, borrow some money from her. She'll feed you and tell her we're on our way. We'll get her right back. And it's like, how did those families then go on to be Winnipeg Jets families from that kind of childhood? It's just there's so much magic in that town. I uh, Yeah, I hope everybody who's listening uh, goes on and reads it. Yeah, everyone should read it. And we have to mention the Athletic Black Friday deal. If you're not a subscriber already, Murat, uh, $1 a month for 12 months. So that's $12, $12 to read what you got going on there. So definitely uh, well worth it if anyone is looking to score a big deal uh, during this deal season, right? Yeah, buddy. Thanks for <laughs> saying that. And And absolutely. I mean... You know, I I happen to think the athletic is worth uh, is worth its full price, and you know I, I love I love that I get to do what I do, and it puts food on my table. And you know, I was going to say keeps the lights on here, but I got natural sunlight right now, so you know we'll we'll we'll, we'll work on the lights thing in a second. But for a dollar a month for twelve months, you know, if you've never signed up, if you've never been at the athletic, just you know click your way through to one of my stories, so I look good. Sign up um, <laughs> and and see what you're missing uh, because we do get to do pretty cool things like drive out to Hermantown and spend the day with the Pionks and the Sandbergs. That's yeah, that's pretty cool. You've, I know you've done a lot of great profiles on Winnipeg Jets that aren't really uh, time sensitive, so that is certainly uh, one of them. And Murad, thank you so much for coming on. Always great. Uh, talking to you on the show and yeah if you haven't already follow me on twitter at wpg marat thank you so much and i can't wait to catch up with you next week what a great chat with marat and thanks to all the comments in the chat here uh, who enjoyed the conversation more of a big picture talk with the jets and thanks to everyone who's watching live i know there's a big soccer match going on and to be honest i'm i got it on a tablet in front of me and it's pretty cool seeing canada uh, at the world cup never seen this uh, before in my lifetime. And if you are here, hey, hit the thumbs up. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the channel and hitting the thumbs up. And hey, it helps our content be shown to more people across uh, YouTube. And as we go, move on. Uh, net, coming up next, Darren Bombing, he's going to stop in. Uh, I just have to mention from Jets practice today, 
Uh, Dylan DeMello in a yellow non-contact, non-contact could be an option Friday. Adam Lowry didn't skate. Uh, he was under the weather. You know, stuff's going around, but he's good to go. Nikolai Ehlers was in Detroit this morning. He had sports hernia surgery. The timeline for recovery is six weeks. And Morgan Barron was on the ice in a non-contact jersey. Uh, he's covering, recovering from wrist surgery. Uh, Connor Shafley Gagne, Perfetti Dubois Wheeler, Axel Janssen Fialbi Lowry, uh, Menelainen, Harkins Gustafson Isimon, and these lines are from Scott Billick, who will be joining us later. Uh, Morrissey Pionk, Schmidt Dillon, Sam Burkhandel, and Connor Hellebuck in net. And we actually had some breaking news during this, uh, during that last conversation with Marat. Um, Ryan Reeves acquired by the Minnesota Wild for a 2025 fifth round pick. Uh, so I don't know if he'll be in the lineup tonight. We'll wait and see about that. But um, the Jets and Wild will be playing a couple more times this season. We'll be getting another look at Ryan Reeves. And I do remember him playing against the Jets in the Western Conference Final in 2018 and uh, getting a lot of bad memories from that. And here we'll bring in Darren. But first, uh, here's Huss with a couple notes. You missed it a little earlier this year. We've teamed up with Wallace and Wallace and Josh Morrissey for a program we're really proud of. The Wallace and Wallace Unsung Hero Program in support of the Dream Factory, which Josh is very much involved in. Um, hey, we, you know about the people that are making things happen quietly in our community, community volunteers, people taking care of people, those in need, people selflessly devoting their time and effort to make our community a better place. Not looking for recognition, but probably deserving it. We're calling on you, WST listeners, to nominate an unsung hero in your community by firing us an email and telling us a little bit about them at unsunghero at winnipegsportstalk.com. We're going to uh, share some of these stories throughout the month. And at the end of the month, we'll be drawing for an unsung hero. And they will win an autographed jersey from Josh Morrissey. And from the WST listener recognizing our unsung hero, Wallace & Wallace is going to make a $500 donation, which in turn will be matched by Josh and Margot Morrissey in the name of the Winnipeg Sports Talk listener who submitted the nomination to another group of unsung heroes, the kids at the Dream Factory. If you go to the links in the description of today's uh, show or just go to winnipegsports.com slash links, you can also click on what the Dream Factory's put up, a little bit more on the great work that they do, and an option if you'd like to support the Dream Factory with a donation, you can do that as well, all part of the program of the Unsung Hero. But again, give us your nominations, Unsung Hero at winnipegsportstalk.com. We can't wait to tell you about some of these great stories of people doing good things in the community and obviously supporting such a great uh, great charity here that working with our with Josh Morrissey in the Dream Factory. Uh, all right, Vita Health Fresh Market. Hey guys, November is Men's Health Month. Choosing the right natural health products are key and Vita Health carries everything you need to help relieve prostate issues, reduce stress and support mental focus. From Canadian brands like Prairie Naturals, who donate a portion of sales to the Canadian Men's Health Foundation. Uh, but hey, there's a lot of sickness going around right now. If you're looking for the best prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, groceries, and Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products, you got to pop by Vita Health, a great local company, family owned and operated since 1936. Um, if you can't make it down to the stores, check out their new fully shoppable website to buy online, schedule a, a schedule of delivery or in-store pickup. 
VitaHealth Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives with seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge and online at myvita.ca. And big announcement, if you haven't heard, the folks at Consolidated Supply, great friends of ours, have stepped up big time to help us launch the 12 Days of Marbles and the Marbles Tournament of Champions coming up in December when I am back. Now, we will do a marble race as normal today, but just to give you a heads up, come December, when I am back, we'll be doing 12 consecutive days with a marble race. We'll be qualifying three people in each race for our final race, which I believe is going to be scheduled for our final show of 2022. All the qualifiers will be in that final race and our last act of business in the year of 2022 will be to race all the qualifiers and the winner will receive a pair of bomber season tickets courtesy of our friends at Consolidated Supply. Consolidated Supply, the leaders in spas and hot tubs, outdoor kitchens, small engine repair, and all things golf, irrigation, landscaping, and artificial turf. Find out more at cte.ca what a lot of people don't know is that they are open to the public so pop by see spicy see joe and the gang 1395 niagara road east but in the meantime check out everything they can do for you at their relaunched website at cte.ca big thanks to consolidated supply and cannot wait to get going with the marbles tournament of champions coming up in december all right thanks so much huss and now we got to talk about it. I thought maybe we'd be having a parade this week when I ho- when I knew I was hosting this show. I thought we'd be celebrating, popping bottles, uh, chanting what three peat. I thought I'd be at a parade taking pictures, but unfortunately not, as the Winnipeg Blue Bombers were defeated on Sunday's Grey Cup by one point to the Toronto Argos. And we'll continue our aftermath <clears throat> with Darren Bombing of Bonfire Sports, Darren. Thanks for coming on. How's it going? Are you how are you feeling after that Grey Cup loss? Um, I mean, is we can dissect. I think we're going to be dissecting this one uh, for a long time and wondering what could have been. Oh, of course, of course. You know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. So looking back on a game like that, you could look at a, a, a million different points in the one hundred ninth Grey Cup and say, well, if this went left, if this went right, if this went up or down, or you know, went to, you know shook out a different way. You, you could have had a different result. How am I feeling though, Remo? Well, I came down with something like so many people uh, really across the prairies right now are, are battling, right? I had a bit of a sinus issue, missed my ride for safety reasons with uh, the free press and the Sunriders, drove out myself. Um, you know, Ken Weeb was battling some things too. He flew out a little bit late in the week. We drove back together uh, prior to the Jets uh, Hurricanes game. I'm still fatigued. You know, uh, Grey Cup week is long. It's hard. Uh, it's it's a grind. It's not a lot of sleep. It's a lot of uh, hours and uh, events and, and and things to do. So, um, you know, I'm taking taking a couple of days to to rest. I think it's a bit of a blessing in disguise. The Jets are on the road, but that's not stopping us at uh, Bonfire Sports. We're going to get into uh, our final Bonfire midweek of the season live tonight at seven thirty. Um, and kind of look back on uh, the year 2022 and uh, the season that was and Winnipeg falling one point short, or I guess two points short, as uh, you know, some of the players mentioned to me of getting a third straight great cup championship. And I think that's the part that's got to sting the most, knowing you were that close 
to three-time back-to-back-to-back Grey Cup champions. But I think when you watch the game and, and you saw some of the players yesterday say, they, I think overall, didn't execute. And as much as you hate saying that, I mean, I don't think it came down to one play. There's just so many different areas where they had opportunities, take advantage of mistakes from Toronto. I mean, and they were not able to. You can talk about the offense sputtering or allowing Chad Kelly to uh, to get that first down, which you know, may have been the play of the game. And I was going to go with the, uh, I think th- that could have been it. Um, you know, missing the extra point, missing the field goal at the end. It just seemed like there were just so many things that led up to this loss and not just one. No, how about Dakota Prukop coming in on first down after mm-hmm. the first play of a drive goes for a 13-yard run for Brady Oliveira, and then they bring in Dakota Prukop to throw into double coverage. Inexplicable. I've talked to some football people since that time, and some of them understand. Some of them, uh, you know, uh, put a little bit of, of um, you know, reason behind it, and and you know, people are going to argue. Uh, till their death uh, about, uh, you know, some of the decisions in that game, some of the the ways, that, you know, things shook out like like you mentioned. I was talking to Willie Jefferson yesterday inside the Blue Bombers locker room, and he said, you know, if I had that interception, then things would have been different in that game, you know? And I said, well, it kind of reminds me of Odell Willis in the 2011 Grey Cup. And he said, you know what? I talked to Odell right after the game, and we talked about that. So if you're out there and a Bomber fan uh, – thinking about those moments and how they remind you of things or how they, your assessment and, and uh, you know, minutia going down the list of all the things you think could have been different. The Bombers have done that. And then some, you know, uh, they, they haven't dug into the film. I don't blame them. Uh, get an opportunity to take a big exhale and uh, digest the season that was if you want to go back and, and look at that film, maybe you're a glutton for punishment. Maybe, uh, you know, you just don't mind the pain. Maybe you just want to find out where you could have been better. But to a man, and I was inside that locker room in Regina, Remo, right after the game. And I remember being in Blue Bombers losing locker rooms of years past. You know, those tough seasons through the early 2010s where they lost a lot of football games and the locker rooms were still open uh, after games like that. This energy was very, very different. It was almost not just like feeling bad for themselves, like maybe of years past when, when they didn't have a good football team, but it was almost shock. It was, it was almost regret. I'm asking the guys, you know, like you got a message for the Blue Bombers fans out there. Some of them said, I'm sorry, because they fully expected to go into that game, do what they do and come out with a championship. They were the better team. You know, a lot of the play calling, a lot of the the sputtering on offense, like you mentioned about, uh, a lot of the ways that they protected uh, on offense for a pretty effective Toronto Argonauts defensive pass rush. Uh, Winnipeg's defense, you know, maybe missing some tackles, missing some plays, special teams going back and forth. And, you know, some really good things happen. Shane Gauthier with another game-saving tackle, making that 45-degree angle on the Toronto Argonauts returner. Reminds you of what he did uh, against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders a couple years ago. So, um, you know, you, you can break it down in, into all the minutia that you want. In the end, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in 2022 were the best team in the CFL. 
But all that matters is who won the final game. And the Toronto Argonauts were the best team in the CFL on Grey Cup Sunday. All credit to them. They went out there and they won. And they deserve to be the Grey Cup champs. Well said. It's still, I got to be honest, like I'm looking at Andrew Harris's Instagram pictures yesterday. I'm happy for him. Um, I don't think it changes, you know, what the Bombers last offseason and Braid Oliveira stepped in and was one of the standouts on Sunday. But it definitely, you know, as much as Pinball Clemens is a CFL legend and it's cool watching him sip out of the Grey Cup, uh, I think this one's going to sting for a long time. And I mean, even two days, you know, a couple days later at the locker cleanout uh, yesterday, um, mm-hmm. was there any difference in you know, what you saw? from the players, um, you know, after having, I was, I read that Patty Newfeld watched it like four or five times. I don't know how you could put yourself, uh, through that. And I think his comment to was Jeff Hamilton was he wouldn't be able to sleep if he, if he didn't. And, um, the commitment that these guys have to their craft is incredible. And it just didn't work, didn't work out, uh, on Sunday. No question. The, the commitment, the dedication, the amount of work, that they do to prepare for games, prepare for a season. That's between the ears. Then there's the work they do to prepare their bodies and the diet, the the rest, the sleep, um, and then obviously the workout regimen and the rest. Um, you think it's tough following a team all season and expecting your team to come away with a dynasty clinching third straight Grey Cup championship and and how disappointed you felt on Sunday or Monday. Imagine being somebody that put in work, not nine to five, but like six to midnight every single day, morning, noon, and night, living, breathing, and eating football and, and doing it with that guy next to them, playing for that teammate, playing for that coach, playing for that personal pride, and playing for the fan base. Because Winnipeg Blue Bomber fans, I think, Over the last three, four years, Remo, I don't think anybody would disagree. This fan base has been rejuvenated. This fan base has grown. The appreciation for the type of organization the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have become has grown. And, um, you know, uh, just the energy inside IG Field at those home games or the energy at Mosaic for the 109th Grey Cup and all those people in blue and gold that made their way to Regina for the game. That has all grown exponentially since this team began a championship run. Does one loss take that all away? In my opinion, no way at all. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers, like I've had a lot of fans reach out to me and be like, you know what, it's too bad we couldn't get a dynasty in my lifetime. Or, or my dad said to me, it's too bad we couldn't get a dynasty in our lifetime. And I told that person, you tell your dad, buckle up. 2023 could bring a championship. And then you would say the Bombers went to four straight Grey Cups and won three of them. That's a dynasty. You know, uh, I don't think you can put it to bed that easily. But but to get to your question, you know, th- those players are going to handle the, um, you know, the the disappointment and, uh, you know, the heartbreak of finishing a season with a loss for the first time in three seasons in four years. Uh, if you're a member of that Winnipeg Blue Bombers team, a lot of guys are going to handle it a lot of different ways. But uh, in the end, free agency, the draft, um, you know, just the reality of pro sports and, and the business that it is. They always say you're, you're never going to be able to have that exact same mix inside a locker room from year to year. But Winnipeg has built something. Now, of course, we wait for head coach Mike O'Shea uh, and, and some sort of uh, announcement one way or another uh, with his expiring contract.
I actually agree with you. I missed the memo, Darren, where it came out in the dictionary and said a dynasty has to be three championships in a row. I had no idea that that was the only way you could get a dynasty by getting three championships in a row. They went to three straight great cups. They won two. Depending, they, you know, they got a great group. You have that two-time MOP. You don't think you can get back? I didn't, I, like, how do you not call him a dynasty? They went, they went to the championship game three times. So I agree with you. I didn't realize it was so binary if you get to three right. championships or not. And that, right. I've kind of, I didn't realize everyone else seems to think that. I, I, I'm confused as well. Well, it, it, you know what, on that point, you know, we, we talked about it on our post-game show on Bonfire Sports. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my co-host, who is a Blue Bomber super fan, you know, compared to my objective take on the Canadian Football League, um, Zach Schnitzer, he wrote a piece in Three Down Nation talking about gratitude and talking about putting things into perspective, right? Blue Bombers fans should be proud. This is not a team that just got to a great cup, say like in 2011 or, or in 2007 and had heartbreak and disappointment. This is a team that has built something that's not going to go away. You mentioned the two-time MOP back-to-back, Zach Kolaris. He's under contract for the next three seasons. Brady Oliveira is 25 years old. The defense has a lot of good players. Willie Jefferson, I have little to almost no doubt he will re-sign in Winnipeg where he will spend this winter, where he and his wife Kelly and his beautiful growing family will be here. They've moved here permanently. They're no longer Texans. They are Texans at heart, of course, but they are Winnipeggers through and through. So there is a lot of positivity to reflect on, and gratitude's an important thing. Michael Shea and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers talked about gratitude over the last three weeks, and I think that's important for the fan base here to also consider you know uh this team has seen much much darker days and those gray cup moments much more fleeting so yeah i understand that the disappointment of of not getting that third straight gray cup uh is a tough one but you think back to the last time the winnipeg blue bombers were in three straight gray cups 1958 1959 winning both of those and then losing to the hamilton tiger cats in 1960 that fueled them to win the next two Grey Cups. And now we look back on the Kenny Plain era and the late 50s and 1960s, that golden era of Winnipeg Blue Bombers football as four championships in five appearances uh, as one of the greatest eras uh, in this franchise's history. We are in, arguably, and I think quite convincingly, arguably, uh, a very similar era. So uh, have some gratitude for that and enjoy how good this football club has been. I'm I I I'm enjoying. We hadn't uh, had a Grey Cup champion here since 1991. It was incredible seeing uh you know seeing them in the streets and the celebration they had last year. Uh, disappointing that we're not going to have that this year. We're not having it, but we'll have to see moving forward. You mentioned Willie Jefferson. It sounds like that's getting worked out. He's moved here. No questions there. The big question, Mike O'Shea, and I'm. I'm really flip-flopping on what you think he's going to do. Seemingly, he could get a blank check anywhere in the league. But, you know, the way they re-signed Kolaris and some of his comments, you have to think that he's not back if O'Shea isn't back. And I'd like to think that they're going to find a way to get a deal done here at some point. But you have to think that's item number one. Or is it on Kyle Walter's to-do list? 
Yeah, no, no question. I, I think it's absolutely job number one to accomplish, right? Um, we asked Zach Kolaris, he, he was asked, I, I can't remember who asked him, but in his final me media availability yesterday at IG Field, they said, you know, how important is Mike O'Shea to this entire operation? I think it was Paul Friesen of the Winnipeg Sun who asked that. And Kolaris said, he's the most important. And Mike O'Shea will hate me for saying that said Zach Kolaris. So, um, yeah, it, it's of, of the hugest importance. I, I've never been an alarmist, Remo. I, I think you and, and my audience know that, right? I, I don't, uh, you know, try to spark something and, and make it bigger than it is. But the reality, in pro sports, we've seen stranger things. And until a name is written on a dotted line, Mike O'Shea's, um, you know, availability to return is there. But it, it is not a for sure thing and and you're right blank check across the league there isn't one single cfl organization that wouldn't want mike o'shea inside their building the reality is there's only a couple destinations in the cfl that need a new head coach ottawa montreal there's only a couple destinations that i think uh would um you know need uh, an, an entire change and culture change of course the uh, coaching cap and, and uh, football operations cap that the CFL employs um, is, is a factor in all of that. Uh, I expect Michael Shea to, to re-sign with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers for 2023, but will he sign a multi-year contract? Um, you know, uh, is he dedicated to be here to the long haul? The, the only truth we know is that there is nobody the Winnipeg Blue Bombers want except Mike O'Shea. So uh, we will wait and uh, it will be tomorrow, that is Thursday, that um, Mike O'Shea will speak to the assembled media one final time this year. You know, the CFL, a lot of free agents, a lot of turnover uh, every season. Uh, Three Down Nation and John Hodge put out this list for the Bombers. A lot of a lot of players, Darren, receiver, Bailey, Dembski, Ellingson, Grant, O-line, Bryant, Couture, Hardrick, Newfeld. Uh, D-line, Adams, Jeffcoat, Jefferson, who we talked about, Sales, Thomas, linebacker, Big Hill, Briggs, Goche, Morrow, Kyrie Wilson, who else? Defensive back, Alden Darby, Lawrence, Mastin, Rose, Taylor. It's and, almost easier to name who isn't on yes, that Yes, it list, almost right? is. I mean, what do you make yeah. of this? How do you see this shaking out here with this free agent uh, group? That's well, for, for, for those that have been watching closely, we, we know this is the reality in the Canadian Football League. Uh, it is a league of one year and two year contracts. And is that something the CFL has been working to remedy? Yes. The Players Association and the league in this most recent collective bargaining agreement did bring in, um, you know, uh, some some, you know, factors in that bargaining agreement to allow teams to have contracts that are of longer term that have some guaranteed money that's always been the push pull of signing a longer term contract if you're say for example marcus sales who played for the winnipeg blue bombers won a great cup went to the nfl came back from the nfl and signed a three-year contract with the bc lions well marcus sales could get cut tomorrow and in no way shape or form am i saying he would be because especially the last month of the season marcus sales really came on uh, and played extremely well um, but individuals like that, that sign long-term deals, there's no real assurance like you would get, say, in the National Hockey League, that if you sign for three years, you're going to get paid that full amount for three years. Coaches in the Canadian Football League do, general managers in the Canadian Football League do, but until this season and until some of the contracts we saw 
re-signed during the season in 2022, that has never been the case. So adding that guaranteed money to some of the contracts, even just a fraction of it, does keep teams a little bit more accountable and committed to those athletes on the field. So will that lead to longer term deals? Maybe you have you take a little bit less money overall, but a little bit more guaranteed. We'll see how that shakes out, um, you know, uh, in the years to come and, and really through this offseason. But for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, yeah, difficult decisions to make. A lot of their best players are well into their 30s. The offensive line probably needs to be reworked. Stanley Bryant said it. When he went up there and got his fourth straight uh, offensive lineman, uh, most outstanding offensive lineman award in the CFL, uh, fourth of his career, more than anybody ever, he said, I'll see you guys next year. Is that with Winnipeg? I'm sure he would like that. Uh, same with Jamarcus Hardrick. You know, he, he kind of grabbed me and gave me a one-armed one bear hug, which really you got to be Jamarcus Hardrick to be able to do that to anybody, just one arm. But he said, you know what, I sure hope to see you next year, DB. And, and you know, when you when you see that love for the organization spill onto us nobodies in the media, uh, it says a lot about how much they enjoy being uh, with this organization. But as is a reality of any team, uh, a winning team, uh, a, a struggling franchise, a champion, or a first-round draft pick team, first overall draft pick team, you never know what's going to happen. Tough decisions need to be made, and especially in pro football, those young players are going to come in and, and take jobs of veterans. It's in, it's inevitable. Yeah, the last uh, after the last two Grey Cups, they were able to bring a, a large part of the the team back and and go at it again. We'll see if they can do it for get back uh, fourth. Great cup in a row. Darren, thank you so much for coming on. Great talking Bombers with you and uh, hope to keep it up the road. You know, the jet season and the Bomber off season, as I know, we'll be having some signings uh, trickling in uh, before we know it. Uh, thanks again, Darren. Yeah, you got it, Remo. Lots of stuff coming to Bonfire this winter. So uh, everybody out there, yeah. thanks for joining us all year and, and stay tuned. More to come. Yeah, doing, Darren, doing a great job. Bonfire Sports on YouTube. Uh, search for it and check them out on Twitter at uh, Darren Bombing. Thanks again, uh, Darren. Uh, appreciate it. All right, we got Scott Billick coming up. He's in Minneapolis, or sorry, St. Paul. You don't want to you don't want to get them confused. Uh, people in St. Paul and Minneapolis don't like that. But uh, he's at the jet skate. We'll uh, we'll hear from him about the lineup. But before that, uh, Hustlers got a message, and uh, then we'll bring in Scotty. Uh, stay tuned. Not AutoCorp, great sponsors of ours since day one here on Winnipeg Sports Talk, and the place to start any search for a new vehicle or if you're considering upgrading your vehicle. Speaking of upgrading, if you're thinking about selling your vehicle, the not experts are the consignment experts here in Winnipeg. They'll help you take all the hassle of selling your vehicle out, get the best price possibly for it, and of course, also help you get into the new car of your dreams. Why not get into the, uh, the car you've always wanted with the help of the not team at a great price at not AutoCorp. And folks, don't forget with winter here, you haven't yet got your winter tires on what are you waiting for winter tire specials and the mpi payment plan now at not why not get safe winter tires and pay later at not auto corp find them online at not.ca or pop down and see them in person at waverly and mcgillivray and tell them your boys at winnipeg sports talk sent you um folks i'm sure i'm getting a few comments in the chat about this nice canada shirt i've got are you ready for canada in the world cup Get the red on. And, uh, man, Royal Sports has the best selection I've seen anywhere of Team Canada gear for the World Cup. Alfonso Davies jerseys, Estacchio, Jonathan David, and more. Hoodies, toques, scarves, everything you need 
to show your national pride as Canada returns to the World Cup for the first time since 1986. And with the holidays just around the corner, um, you can pretty much bang off all of your holiday shopping for the sports fans in your life at Royal Sports. Thousands of pieces of Jets merchandise, uh, bomber gear, and more. Blue Jays, Raptors, NFL, you name it. And, of course, Royal is the undisputed, undefeated heavyweight champ of all things hockey as well. Family-owned for over 40 years. Popeye, C. Gerald, Greg, and their great staff, 750 Pemina Highway. And, of course, follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. Hey, holidays coming up, a new year just around the corner. Guys, thinking about maybe upgrading that wardrobe you've been putting off? Well, don't wait any longer. Pop on down and see Andrew and the gang at F Apparel at 190 Smith Street for the new wardrobe for the new you. Custom suits beginning at just $400. The entire process, so quick and easy. Pop in, quick few measurements, decide your color, fabrics, pattern, style, and a few weeks later, you've got a beautiful new suit from F Apparel. And hey, if you are in a wedding party or thinking about getting married and getting some of the fellas into stand up for you. Do not waste your money renting tuxes for your big day. Go to F apparel, get custom suits for all the guys. And right now, if you book in and get measured by the end of November, everyone in the wedding party will get 10% off and a free shirt Savings of about $130 per person. Pop on down to F Apparel, 190 Smith Street. Find out more information or book an appointment online at F, that's E-P-H, apparel.com. All right, thank you very much, Huss. Love seeing all the comments in the chat. Huss is just such a such a pro. How to let him do, do the ad reads. I got a lot going on back here, but happy to bring in Scott Billick, who's confirmed to me he is in Minneapolis. Minneapolis. Not yeah. not St. Paul. You can't get them. I think it was at the NHL draft in 2011. Chevy said, I want to thank the people of Minneapolis for hosting the draft at yeah. Excel Energy Center in St. Paul. And he actually got, I think, got booed briefly uh, from right. that. You can't mix them up. They get mad. But um, so let's hear. How was, how was the skate this morning? I, I know we got some injury updates. We can start off with uh, Nikolai Ehlers, who I think we have more of a timeline on his injury. Yeah, I mean, so you had obviously had Sean Reynolds kind of tweet out that he had um, uh, surgery today in Detroit. I think Sean actually saw dealers in the airport or something like that yesterday on his way to Mini. So um, dealers was uh, flying first class to Detroit, I think, to, to get that done. But anyways, he had it today, obviously successful. Um, the Jets are expecting him. So Rick Bonus, it's weird because... I don't think Rick Bonas actually had heard the update on Ehlers, so he was still saying, like, I don't know. It was a bit of a jumble. It was, like, eight weeks and then, like, seven to ten. And so uh, we were joking at lunch today that uh, the only week that it's not uh, that we've heard is is nine weeks. So don't expect him to be out nine weeks. But, um, yeah, no, it looks like Ehlers. I mean, if it's six weeks, as Sean reported, I mean, that's, that's, that's best-case scenario for a sports hernia surgery. I mean, they, the timeline's usually – kind of between six and 12 weeks. So, um, but you know, with all these things, it's, it's not just about successful surgery. It's always about, um, you know, how a guy recovers, how long it takes for him to get skating again. And with a, you know, groin or lower abdomen um, surgery like that, I mean, that's kind of a, a core kind of area um, that, uh, that a guy like Nick, Nick, for sure 
um, utilizes in terms of how speedy he is and that sort of thing. So, um, but yeah, I don't know if it's six weeks, I mean, that's, that's best case scenario for the Jets. I mean, at that point, at it today, um, he's, he's back in time for the new year. Um, and that's, that's, that'd be a big boon for this Jets team. Uh, that's 11-5-1 and one right now heading into the game tonight in Minnesota. Yeah, I'm trying to do the math here. When you say six and eight weeks, let's say eight weeks is two months. Well, we're at November 23, then December 23, and maybe, you know, mid, mid-January, yeah. or late January. I mean, if you get him before February, I think that's a bonus. When you first heard surgery, you think, well, he's going to be out February, March. Um, we'll have to, something to monitor, but I know that you mentioned uh, U.S. Thanksgiving tomorrow. The Jets in a playoff yeah. spot, so we can put them in, a, in the playoffs at the end of the year. They fulfilled the prophecy. <laughs> yeah. Work is done. Uh, but you had a, a nice column there at the at the Sun about just how what have you seen from the change from last year to this year that has put a team with a lot of the same guys, but with much better results. Yeah, well, it's been kind of night and day, right? I mean, that's the thing. Like you know arguably and that's kind of what i wrote is that this team is less talented this year because you lose andrew Kopp, you lose paul stasny i mean you lose about 40 goals there roughly um and i think somewhere around 80 points 70 80 points um but what this team has gained you know with the sum of its parts at this point is you know last year's team was you know whatever you want to call it fractured disjointed disconnected Whatever, you know, whatever words you want to put it, they weren't all playing on the same page this year. I mean, that's where they are. They're playing on the same page this year. And, and they're playing within a system that I think complements a lot of what these guys do. You know, it, 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 it's interesting to me that Mark Shifley is back to being Mark Shifley, but it's that Mark Shifley's offensive game hasn't suffered because he's had to play some defensive hockey. And vice versa, Josh Morrissey's defensive game hasn't suffered because he's been up in the play leading this team and scoring um, this season. And so Rick Bonus has kind of found this kind of weird, not weird, but like this, this, this really good sweet spot for this team, for the guys on the team. Um, he's been able to extract um, enough from them that they'll play within his system, um, but is also kind of giving them what he likes to call the green light. Um, and that's on forward and defense. We hear it a lot on, on defense, but there's a lot of green light on forward to also be creative and, and kind of find ways to, you know, you know, make plays and, and score goals. But, you know, I, I, I find it kind of fascinating how we go from, you know, this, this team that, that, you know, it, it was almost like you had to teach this team about fundamental hockey, right? Like a, a forward covering off a defenseman. Um, if, if the defenseman kind of moved up into play and it's like, you go back to last year and it was just so yeah, chaotic on the ice for this team. And now you have, um, you know, a team that, that that's really just playing uh, a disciplined brand of hockey on the ice. And it, it hasn't been perfect yet. No, like it hasn't been perfect. I mean, there's been, <clears throat> you know, there's been times where it's, it's, it's looked really bad. I mean, Las Vegas, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights game there um, where they lost, well, I think it was four two in the end. Um, and the LA game, which they ended up winning, but you know got outplayed. But but you can't really say this year the Jets have really been out of a game. Um, and and you know even look in the game the other night against Carolina where they give up those three goals. You see a certain level of resiliency there that's different than in years past, where you know the old saying of staying in the fight and all that kind of stuff. 
Um, you know, like uh, yeah, maybe the Jets did get a little bit saved by the bell there, but also they weren't going to be down six on five um, for the rest of the game once they tied it up, uh, once Carolina tied it up. And I thought the Jets showed a lot of character in that team that, that you know, whether it was Dylan Sandberg or, or some of the younger guys kind of uh, just saying the right things on the bench before overtime. And then you go in overtime and you kind of, you know, a nice save from Dave Riddick early on. And then, you know, you bring Josh Morrissey in on that breakaway for for the winner. But, you know, there's a lot of confidence in this team within themselves. And I think that's maybe the biggest thing that Rick Bonus has brought to this team is like, you know, there's a sense of purpose and a sense of like, you know, if I put, you know, if, you know, if I'm speaking from Rick Bonus, if, you know, if I put you in this spot, you know, I know that you can do it. And it, and it really seems like a lot of the guys on this team have, have, have really caught on to that really uh, appreciated that. Um, you know, I was talking to, uh, who was it the other day? Uh, was it Brendan Dillon maybe or something like that? But, you know, just saying like some of these guys needed a fresh start. Um, and then you kind of, you know, just figure, oh, no, it was Paul Stasny actually when he was here on Saturday. And he was like, you know, it, it just almost seemed after eight years, some of these guys had always had Paul Maurice for their whole career. And for some people, you know, it was just, it was good for them to have a good, uh, you know, like a fresh start, the new coach with the new system, um, just a fresh set of eyes on things. And I think that's kind of opened up a lot of eyes um, within that dressing room. And, you know, you look at the record, 11-5-1 at the moment, fighting for first in the central. I don't know if everybody would have expected this sort of thing um, kind of coming into the season um, but this team is, is is slowly starting to come together where I think I think there's something actually real here instead of, you know, I don't think the Jets have just cobbled together this record on off of, you know, just sheer talent and scoring ability alone. Um, I think this is a team that's really kind of bought into a certain way of playing and they're able to play that 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 way to win hockey games. Um, and, you know, that's, you know, from what I've seen through the first, you know, 16, 17 games here. Um, you know, it, it, it bodes well going forward, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, they had the rough games in L.A. and Vegas, but they certainly have turned around. I think at home, they've been much better on the road, and they found ways to win when they're not playing uh, their best. And I know Dom at The Athletic, I think he had, like, them to start the season. I'm looking, you know, under 50% to make the playoffs. He actually had them at 30% to make the playoffs, according to his model. But now he's got them at 72%, and we're approaching U.S. Thanksgiving tomorrow. Big match tonight. Sorry, I'm calling it a, a match, right, because I'm in soccer mode. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Against the Minnesota Wild, division rival. But one player who won't uh, be returning the lineup, Dylan DeMello. Um, and Billy Hainala is going to get another shot. Uh, what did you think of Hainala's last game, and what did they say about Dylan DeMello's uh, injury? Yeah, so DeMello, um, he is, I mean, skated today in the red non-contact, as did uh, Morgan Barron, actually. Um, I was still coming back from wrist surgery. Um, one of the two guys on this team that's had wrist surgery this season now. Um, but yeah, Dylan DeMello, possibly for Friday, but it didn't really sound like Rick Bonus was um, too kind of sure on that. Um, sounds like he possibly could be an option for Sunday. Um, I, you know, with this upper body injury, I don't, I don't think any of us really know um, where this injury actually is, but it's, uh, I, I suspect that, um, you know, maybe Sunday at the earliest didn't sound like Friday was going to really be an option 
Um, so, but yeah, you know, Billy Heinel obviously um, came on the ice and you're kind of wondering whether they can put Kyle Capobianco back in. Um, you know, you looked at Billy's game on, 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 on uh, a couple of nights ago and, you know, Rick Bonus, I think uh, it summed it up kind of well this morning when I was talking to him about it. It was, you know, he had a, had a bit of a tentative start, I suppose, to the game. Um, you know, a little bit hesitant on third thing, uh, certain couple things, but started to work into the game, started to get that confidence. Um, you know, the one thing that really hang on that doesn't <clears throat> have that a lot of these other guys have had is, you know, just a stretch of time to actually get accustomed to playing in the NHL. Um, I talked to him a little bit about that this morning. I did a bit of a one-on-one with Billy, so it'll be coming up uh, later today. But, you know, just talking to Billy about kind of the confidence, and he's like, yeah, I don't have a lot of it right now. Kind of sounds a little bit of like Patrick Line, and it's like, well, yeah, I mean, you, you know, it, it's a tough game uh, when you don't play, called up, haven't played a lot in the last few years. I mean, you know, this stretches all the way back to 2019 where he made the team up to training camp. Uh, and then just has kind of floated around in this kind of, you know, nothingness since then, really. I mean, he's he's gotten a little bit of time here and there, um, but never really has been given that kind of stretch to kind of stretch his wings out. And I think with, you know, Rick Bonus here giving him another thing, another game, one of it was, you know, he wants to see more. He wants to see more confidence tonight against the Wild and that sort of thing. But I think that's the type of thing, the longer that DeMello's out, because, I mean, I, I, the reality is here, I think, you know, either Capo Bianco or Billy Hainala, um, I think the reality is at this point, once Dylan DeMello comes back, you know, uh, uh, Billy's getting pushed out of the lineup. But um, this is Billy's opportunity again to kind of try and cobble together some good film uh, in a couple of games where he can, you know, have that. Um, for Rick Bonus that Rick Bonus can look at and have some confidence to put Billy in the lineup. I think Billy should be playing a little bit more. I mean, I think, you know, one thing we've learned about Billy Hanel is when he plays in the AHL for an extended period of time, you know, he gets used to that and, and, and he becomes more confident in himself playing that game. I don't see why that wouldn't be the case in the NHL. I mean, he has, uh, you know, the smarts, the vision, all those types of things that that that, that can that that can be you know uh, that make him successful in the NHL, but um, you know I think the one thing that's kind of evaded him that hasn't been you know, for the likes of Logan Stanley or or Dylan Sandberg and those guys is is just that you know that run of ten to fifteen games to kind of put a good body of work together. Um, so I think there's you know I know there's going to be a lot of people in the chat and a lot of people a lot of Jets fans on social media and just every that, that are really clamoring for this. They want to see this guy play a bit more. Um, so we'll see what happens here. I mean, Billy was going to have to put, again, he's being asked to kind of do a lot in a short period of time here. Um, but we'll kind of see what happens here when Dylan DeMello comes back. I suspect Billy goes, uh, back out of the lineup, but, uh, you know, a good game. Yeah. Anything can happen, I suppose. Yeah. And you mentioned Morgan Barron. He's getting non-contact. Do we have a timeline on him? Because it was four to five weeks since whenever he had a surgery. I can't remember the date of his surgery. It was like, or three weeks ago now you know the interesting thing that i saw him doing today and the first thing you wonder okay guy had um wrist surgery you're wondering okay is he gonna take some shots or is he just out there to kind of work on his cardio and get his legs under him again no and right off the gate i mean he goes and takes a nice shot and like there was pressure i mean you saw the stick bend right like you know there was wasn't like he was just trying to whatever so um I, i'm interested to know i mean we're, we could be one to two weeks out here i think between that 
uh, that timeline. I think it was three weeks ago that he had his surgery, if I'm not mistaken. Might be two and a half at, at this point. But um, either way, I mean, I think he's he's getting closer to a return. Um, which again, you know, this this bottom six has done well um, in his absence. I mean, and same with Mason Apton, obviously Nikolai Ehlers, as we talked about earlier. Um, uh, but, you know, I think this team will, um, especially Adam Lowry, will like having uh, a Morgan Barron back by his side uh, sooner rather than later. I just I don't think I, you can really expect it on this trip. Uh, the Jets won't skate again uh, in earnest, at least in a practice uh, until Saturday at the United Center in Chicago. So um, I suspect Morgan Barron will see how the today went, how the risk kind of responds um, to the skate today. And then from there, um, kind of go and uh, see what uh, – see where they can go and how they can kind of kind of push his recovery forward, I suppose. Yeah, I like how they send the guys on the road trip. You know, hasn't been on the road trip yet. Put him on for the skate. Yeah. Get tired sitting at home in minus yeah. whatever weather with the snow. Nice to get out, uh, see some other other cities. And Baron quietly has four points in in nine games, which uh, is a bit, quite a bit more than some of the other guys playing in the uh, bottom six. And you know, with Ehlers out and himself out and Appleton out, you know, going with Sam Gagne on on the top line. I wonder if, you know, they're seeing that as like a short to medium term solution here as Ehlers, as Ehlers is out. I don't know. What have you thought of, uh, you know, is, is this a long term thing here with Gagne on the top line? It's a good question, right? Like, I mean, I, I think they're going to roll with it for now. Um, you know, it, it hasn't been. It hasn't been bad. I, I one of the things that you know I kind of worried about Sam Gagne was the speed. Um, you know, was he going to be able to keep up? And I think the one thing that Rick Bonus liked with the Appleton on that line with Ehlers out was uh, just the tenacity on the forecheck, right? Getting in quick and 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 getting the puck and then trying to win it for you know either Kyle Connor or, or Mark Shifley to kind of go to work with it, but. Um, you know, I, I don't see, you know, the only one, and, and I'm curious about it, we've seen Mikey Esmont go from, you know, the Manitoba Moose uh, to the Winnipeg Jets on the third line. I, I am curious to see if they, if they try and put him up on the top line at some point. Um, he's the type of player that Rick Bonus likes in terms of the way that he gets onto the puck real quick, um, uses his speed, you know, and that sort of thing. And I, you know, I'm kind of wondering, well, is he kind of like a mini Mason Appleton in that point? Would they put him up there to see? You know, I, I don't think we're going to see Brad Lambert called up at any point soon. And if it's only six weeks for Ehlers here, um, like you know, like we talked about earlier, um, perhaps they just try and, and figure it out with uh, figure it out with um, with Sam Gagne there. So it'd be interesting. I mean, I think the problem with the you know with all of this right now is that Jets are still winning. They're still you know putting together, you know, stringing together some wins, um, building points and putting points in the bank and that sort of thing. So there hasn't been any kind of losing adversity um, with some of the lines that they've had so far that that would, you know, maybe necessitate a change. Um, You know, I'd be curious to see if the Jets have, you know, well, the Jets have taken calls on defensemen, um, but, you know, what does that look like? Um, You know, would they, you know, if either's, again, I think if Ehlers was going to be out for a lot longer than what's, you know, at this point kind of projected, um, perhaps the Jets would have made, you know, maybe look to make a change there, um, maybe trade out a, a defenseman to try to try and add some forward depth. But at this point, I mean, 
yeah, I think they're, they're I think Rick Bonus is happy with what he sees on that top line. And, you know, if anything, you know, the thing with Rick Bonus is he's not he, he's like he'll he'll change the lines if he doesn't like what he sees. Um, and he does it in game sometimes. Sometimes he goes back to the old line. Sometimes he keeps the ones that he um, that he has. But uh, you know, right now I think he's happy with what he's seen um, from Shifley, Connor, and um, and Sam Gagne there. And you know, I wonder too at times. Uh, you know, may, perhaps you could be even at, at one point or another um, if you needed to, at least you know, in in in, in game, um, maybe even move Pierre Luc Dubois up to the wing. Um, to play with Mark Shifley. They did that in the first season when Dubois got here after the line A trade. Um, and, you know, I know those two like to play with each other. So, I mean, I guess you could do that if you're going in search of some goals. But, um, you know, the Jets you know, are kind of middle of the pack, I think, right now in goals four per game. But, um, you know, they, they haven't been hurting when they uh, – four, four goals for the most part. So, I think, I think Rick Bonus is happy with where he's at right now. I mean, it's hard – again – you know, if you use the old Bill Parcells quote, "Is the record doesn't lie," um, you know, I, you know, I think they're happy with where they're at as a team. Obviously, you know, still hungry to to keep getting better and that sort of thing. But um, you know, the kind of old adage, if it, "If it ain't broke, don't fix it." I think that kind of applies right now um, to Rick Bonus and and his team. All right, last one before we go. Um... This upcoming road trip, what do you make of the opponent tonight in Minnesota? A big divisional yeah. matchup uh, on Friday, the annual Black Friday game, although this one's in the evening against Dallas and Saturday uh, in Chicago. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is a good opportunity for the Jets to stack up some points and possibly even take over first place in the Central uh, from Dallas. Um, you know, tonight, you know, here, here's how it's going in Minnesota. Minnesota Wild are starting Sam Steele um, at the top uh, as their top line center tonight. It's uh, it's it's kind of been going that way, you know. It's a team; they're 500, um, so it's possible they just traded, I believe, for Ryan Reeves. Yep. Um, so they're looking for dad some grit there. I don't think Reeves will be in the lineup tonight um, for them, unless somebody's said that he will be. I haven't seen anything on that. So, um, you know, I think this is a winnable game. Uh, I think Chicago is is a winnable game too. Um, it's it's really Friday's game that that's probably the most intriguing. I mean, these two teams have have faced each other twice now this season. Um, I believe they're both four-one victories. If I'm not sure, one for each. Um, and so it's it, it's kind of that. You know, I, I think that's the game that you know both teams will kind of have pegged on their uh, uh, on the calendar as you know a, a big one on this road trip, and it's the one that I'm kind of most intrigued of because I, I thought they've. They've matched up well the, the Stars and, and the Jets this season. Um, it's uh, it's been fun hockey to watch. Um, you know, Minnesota and Chicago; those are the teams that you should be beating. And and for the most part, the Jets are beating the teams that they should be beating this season. So, um, you know, I'm yeah, I'm, I think again, I think it's a good chance to you know take four of six on this, and you know, and possibly even six of six uh, on this road trip and start building. Uh, Brendan Dillon talked a little bit about this morning. You know, it's hard to get separation at this point, but if you string a few, you know, wins on this road trip together, um, you know, you can start maybe doing that, at least creating separation between you and the wildcard teams uh, between third and fourth in in uh, in the central division standings and that sort of thing. So, yeah, it should be a good trip. Uh, be at the Cowboys game tomorrow too, so that's oh. gonna be kind of. So, I was yeah. gonna ask you about your Thanksgiving's yeah. plan. That's pretty. That's pretty good uh, Thanksgiving yeah. plans. 
Wow. Yeah, it might be some Terry Black's barbecue or Pecan Lodge oh, there man. in Dallas. And then, uh, uh, and then some, yeah, it's supposed to rain. I think it's a hundred percent chance of rain in Dallas tomorrow. And they're supposed to get like something like 30 millimeters, 40 millimeters, something like that. I don't know how about tail, how much tailgating we'll be doing, but, uh, yeah, definitely going to be in the building tomorrow uh, uh, in Jerry's World uh, down there in Dallas. Yeah, you and uh, what, like 100,000 other uh, rabid Cowboys fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. it's going to be crazy. Well, Scott, thanks so much for coming on. Great talking to you. And uh, yeah, looking forward to catching up again next week. And enjoy the game time. Enjoy uh, that barbecue in Dallas. Will do. All right. Never turn down some good barbecue, No, man. definitely not. All right. See ya. All right. Have a good one. There he is, Scott Billick, Winnipeg Sun. Check him out on Twitter. At Scott Billick, and the Jets are in, uh, sorry, St. Paul tonight to take on the Minnesota Wild. And we'll be hearing about the visitors next with Jesse Pierce from the Bar Down Beauties podcast. But first, Huss has got a couple messages. I have to thank Princess Auto for their phenomenal support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. And of course, Bomber fans know Princess Auto was there for the blue and gold all year long and setting up the best pregame atmosphere in the Canadian Football League at the Princess Auto tailgate zone. Cannot wait to get back there next June. Of course, we'll be working with Princess Auto throughout the year, as well as focusing on some of the top curlers in the country and in the world right here from Manitoba, many of them on Team Princess Auto. And, of course, Princess Auto is the place where you'll find the best assortment and value of tools and equipment around everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Two Winnipeg locations, Panit Road, Portage Avenue West, and you can always shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. And also, I mean, hey, we're getting into the holidays, and then we're talking about drinks and entertaining. Hey, one thing that everybody needs, water and water services. And the family-owned gang at Culligan have been the water experts for over 60 years here in the city and province. And they really do have everything. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, drinking full home systems, drinking water systems, and, of course, those jugs with the Culligan men taking them out to you anywhere in the city and surrounding area. Whatever your water needs, Culligan's got you covered. 1200 Sargent Avenue. You can give them a call at 694-5180 or check out what Culligan's got going online at drinkculligan.com. And, well, it's very dry here, both in the air and um, in the uh, in the social areas. It certainly won't be as we get into the holidays and when you're entertaining and looking for the best Canadian whiskey, everyone knows Canada's favorite is Canadian Club. Uh, not only a great sponsor of us, but also the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and what a great season that was and great to see so many people enjoying the Canadian Club and Ginger Ale, which was an incredibly popular selection at Bomber Games this season. But hey, just because the bomber season's over doesn't mean you can't pick it up. CC and Ginger available in six packs at your local beer store and pop by your local Manitoba Liquor Marts for all the great products from the Canadian Club family. Canadian Club, give them a follow on Instagram as well and shout out to everyone that sent us pictures of them enjoying the CC and Ginger throughout the bomber season. Thank you so much, Huss, for uh, doing such a bang-up job on those ad reads. And yes, he is in... The World Cup in Qatar right now watching Team Canada. Uh, they're losing 1-0 to Belgium. Anyways, happy to bring in my next guest from the Bar Down Beauties podcast at NHL.com. Score North. She's got a long resume. Uh, Jesse Pierce on the Minnesota <laughs> Wild. 
Jesse, thank you so much for hopping on. Great to have you back on the program. How are things in Minnesota? Heck yeah, I also have uh, mom on the resume too. I had to open up some candy to try to keep him at bay while mm-hmm. mom does some work from home. Uh, but he's repping the Minnesota Vikings, so always a sports household here. Uh, things are going well. Thanks for having me, Michael. Appreciate it. Yeah, well, we have some breaking Minnesota Wild news came up in the chat. Uh, acquiring Ryan Reeves for a 2025 fifth-round draft pick. What's going how come they're uh, going after Ryan Reeves at this point of the season? I mean, a great question. That's definitely an acquisition you think you make, you know, past trade deadline, around trade deadline, around that time when you're making a final push. Need that grittiness, need that toughness. Um, in the Minnesota Wild, do need that. Not to say, I mean, Marcus Foligno's kind of been that go-to guy, um, as well as Jordan Greenway, who now makes his return for the second time this year after injury. He's always kind of been a physical presence as well. I think uh, Ryan Reeves brings a lot of energy. Aside from the fights, you've always kind of seen him as that locker room guy. Uh, if he's on your team, you love him, right? And you hate to play against him. So I'm thinking that's probably a little bit what Bill Guerin had in mind by ma- going out and making this acquisition from the New York Rangers standpoint. They get to free up a little bit of money. Uh, I believe they're all in on that Patrick Kane look, so we'll see what happens there. Um, I don't hate it. Instant reaction, it's it's odd. I mean, it's cheap, I guess. There's that. But I think looking at what the Minnesota Wild need, they need an offensive player that can score. And Ryan Reeves doesn't really fill that top six forward role. So I am curious to see what uh, what transpires, what Bill Guerin might have been thinking, what Dean Evson thinks, and what that means for other forward players like young guys like Marco Rossi, um, who still hasn't quite found his role on this team. So a lot of implications with the Ryan Reeves trade, again, from the energy standpoint. standpoint awesome. Uh, but that's about it. I, I think, again, there are bigger worries and concerns for this Minnesota Wild organization right now. Yeah, Minnesota currently sitting sixth place in the Central Division, eight, eight, and two. And you know they say U.S. Thanksgiving, if you're in the playoffs, you're going to be in the playoffs at the end of the season. They are not in the playoffs right now. I can't imagine that's where they thought they would be based on um, you know last year, which was such a great season. I mean, what's happened? What's the story of the Minnesota Wild season leading up to this? How how are they uh, you know out of the playoffs right now? Yeah, I mean, there's so many different contributing factors, as always, as every team can point to. Um, I think you look at last year, and for me, last year, even as great as it was, a franchise best regular season, never mind the first round playoff exit that still happened following that, um, it was an anomaly. It was going to be a year that was hard to replicate. Not only were you going to lose Kevin Fiala in the offseason due to that cap restriction, but you were expecting big career years out of players like Ryan Hartman, who is currently injured. Marcus Foligno was going to have a career year. Um, you know, Jordan Greenway, Jules Eric's neck, all these players you were expecting to produce at that same pace. It just seemed very unrealistic, to, unrealistic to me. Um, so in addition to losing the 80 plus points that Fiala brought, you were, are not getting any offense from any of those secondary scores. Uh, Kirill Kaprizov, Matt Zuccarello still remain your top players. They're still on that top line. But beyond that, the scoring just has not come easy. Um, the first couple games, really, really tough defensively and in net. Marc-Andre Fleury allowing 14 goals in the first two games. But it seemed like for this Minnesota Wilds team so far this season, when one problem is fixed, another one pops up. So it started out goaltending was bad. That's been fixed. Then it moved to defense. Defense struggled. That was fixed. Now the focus is on the offense. Um, you know, I think Minnesota's kind of still trying to find their identity. Again, going back to last year, they were this energetic, sexy, high-scoring offensive team, and that's never been them. That's never been the Minnesota Wild as we've known them, and that certainly isn't this team this year. So I think they're trying to figure out who they are, what they want to build upon. Um, I think you look 
back to the win against Carolina this past weekend at home. And I think that gritty 3-2 game is more of what you're going to expect to see. You're not going to see four, five, six, seven goals from Minnesota. You're going to see one, two, three needing to be the winner. So, um, you know, it's a team that is off to a slow start. It could be worse, but they really need to start kind of running the table because, uh, as you mentioned, where they're sitting right now is not going to posture themselves well for a playoff run. Yeah, the Jets in a while always have spirited uh, games. I do remember Marcus Foligno with the Superman punch. Last year in a fight versus Brandon Dillon, which was so so ridiculous. You wonder if you see any fireworks tonight. You know, I'm looking at the lineup. You mentioned Kaprizov and Zuccarella. Those guys kind of attach at the hip. But Sam Steele, uh, it's kind of been a bit of a... He's lining up with them tonight. It's been a rotating cast there with those guys. Um, you know, what can we see from uh, the lines and the top line tonight? Yeah, you know, I think it's hard to play between a Kirill Kaprizov and Matt Zuccarello, right? I mean, Dean Evson had joked yesterday, I would have loved that opportunity because they do elevate your play. You have to be a very smart player. And they're having a difficult time just finding that right fit. Again, Ryan Hartman was that guy last year. He's been out with injury for some time and isn't due to return anytime soon. So they've been kind of just trying different pieces there. Sam Steele, the latest one, he played particularly well in his first go at it last week. And against Carolina, he gets on the score sheet with a goal and an assist as well um i think the tough thing about kaprizov and zuccarello is those two are constantly looking for each other without really looking for that third line mate or having that third line mate that forces them to look outside of the scoring area so i think sam Steele has kind of forced them to look at other options aside from one another uh the rest of the lines also another rotating cast again when things aren't going right it's hard to stick to what you know um and i think that's especially hard for dean evson who is so used to trying to stick to what he knows uh we mentioned marcus felino generally him, Jules Eriksson and Jordan Greenway were that identity line, that big, tough, physical line that you could always count on, the very consistent line to go against any team's top players. Jordan Greenway has been hurt. Uh, Jules Eriksson and Marcus Felino were broken up for a good amount of time. They're kind of now slowly getting back in the rhythm. So it's it's been a rotating cast all around. But again, it's something you can't disagree with because the offense in general, just not quite clicking to where it needs to be, not up to the speed that it needs to be. Um, and you're relying on a lot of young guys to step up and help make this team achieve even a, a fraction of what they did last year. So it should be an interesting game. I know I told you before, Michael, I love this Winnipeg game uh, against Minnesota, not especially when they beat the wild, but you know, as long as it's a good feisty game, it's always uh, it's a fun one to watch. It's it's one of my favorite uh, rivalries, at least for the Jets. I know there's a lot of Minnesota fans who come here. Jets fans will probably be hearing a uh, true North chant during the anthem <laughs> before people want to maybe get the Jets uh, and Vikings back to back and maybe do some Black Friday shopping there this week. Uh, <laughs> I have to ask you about goaltending. A big trade in the offseason. Cam Talbot uh, trade to Ottawa. They go in with Marc-Andre Fleury, but he's out tonight. And Philip Gustafson is getting the start uh, what if, what what's the story with the minnesota goaltending and when can we see uh, mark andre flurry back it would not surprise me if we see mark andre flurry back in the crease uh come as soon as friday if they if he gets a practice in tomorrow I think he'll be good. He's been practicing on his own. He took some shots yesterday at practice, kind of after practice concluded. So he really hasn't been in a full practice mode yet, but I think he only needs one, which again, if they do that tomorrow, would not surprise me if he slots in against Toronto. Um, he suffered an upper body injury in their game against Nashville. So he's been out just a couple games here, but credit to Philip Gustafson, who has really kind of stepped up. I mean, 
coming into this year, it was very well known that Marc-Andre Fleury was going to take the lion's share of the starts. He was going to be the number one. It wasn't going to be a 1A, 1B situation as it had been with Cam Talbot. It was going to be Marc-Andre Fleury's net and Philip Gustafson was going to have to come step in to kind of relieve. But Philip Gustafson has had to step in and not just relieve now. He needs to win these games. And again, that Carolina game um, was the probably best all-around Minnesota game, but one of Philip. Uh, Gustafson's best games. He's looked very steady, very calm in net. And uh, I think the defense feels just as comfortable with him back there as well. So while I think everybody's very excited to get flower back in the crease um, credit to, to Gus for holding his own and helping the Minnesota wild kind of get through these tough couple games. Yeah. Flurry got off to a rough start, but it certainly uh, righted the ship there before his injury. And you are in, in uh, Minnesota, I do have to ask you, you know, I know there's a lot of Vikings fans here. We're all wondering, what what was that on Sunday? Hey. What hey. what happened there? Beatdown. It, it's the life of a Minnesota sports fan now. Come on. <laughs> that's just what we do. We were all elated, excited, best football game ever against Buffalo. Why not do it against Dallas? And you just drop a big old dud. It is seriously the peak Minnesota thing to happen. I mean, we're lucky that Justin Jefferson didn't get hurt or something because that would be even more peak Minnesota. Uh, A rough go. Hopefully they can, you know, take a a page out of a hockey book and say, you know what, throw it away. We're back at it again on Thursday and uh, hopefully can make some Thanksgiving feasts here in the States and in Minnesota particularly uh, go over very well. Yeah, big game tomorrow evening against the New England Patriots, looking forward to that. You say Minnesota sports fan. I remember, I think, when, when one of the most recent losses, there's someone's got a Twitter list of, like, going back 30 years of <laughs> Minnesota sports disappointment. And I got, I know there's a lot of people here close to the Twins and the Vikings. And, you know, you wild as well. We know what's going on. Very Hopefully they can get a winner one of these one of these days. It would be nice. It would. I mean, then we don't have anything to talk about except the weather. So you know, I think we need to constantly have something to complain about outside of it being freezing cold. And Minnesota sports tend to do that for us. There you go. Well, thank you so much, Jesse, for coming on and giving us some insight on the Wild. We're looking forward to seeing what should be a great uh, divisional matchup tonight. And hopefully we can have you again later on this season. Hey, anytime. Thanks for having me, Michael. Yeah, no problem. There she is, Jesse Pierce. Follow her on Twitter at, uh, please, Jesse underscore Pierce with the, yes, Jesse underscore Pierce, Bar Down Beauties podcast, NHL.com. She's also with doing Vikings with Score North. And we're winding down the program. We're going to bring in David Pagnotta, the fourth period. Just go around the NHL. It's U.S. Thanksgiving. We got to talk about, um, you know, who's going to be in the playoffs, right? But uh, before that, Huss is coming in. He's got a couple words. Then we'll bring in David. One sec. You have to thank Nick and Nikki, Nick and Nikki DQ for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, hey, 12 months a year, the blizzard is always the most elite treat when it comes to ice cream. All those great blizzard flavors, including new ones coming all the time, are great. What you might not have tried is the incredible stack burgers. And if you haven't, what are you waiting for? DQ's always been a sleeper when it comes to some of the best food in the fast food game. And the four Nick and Dicky DQ's are ready to serve you. DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. And hey, with the holidays coming up, parties, gatherings, and more, hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. They'll custom make the famous DQ ice cream cake however you like. And, uh, Get it ready for you for a quick and easy pickup at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, pretty dry here 
They were selling Bud Zero in the uh, Fan Fest today, and I think that'll be the same case at the game tomorrow. So even more uh, missing and appreciating the great support we have and the great product we have from Winnipeg's favorite local beer, Little Brown Jug. If you're getting ready for the game tomorrow, maybe taking the afternoon off for a hell of a sports day with Canada-Belgium at 1 and then Jets Wild at 6, Take it to the next level and make it perfect with a case of 1919 or some of your other Little Brown Jug favorites. You can pop by, pick up Little Brown Jug at the brewery and tap room. Try them all, heck, down in uh, William Avenue. Check out the great merchandise as well with the holidays around the corner. And, of course, you can get the great taste of Little Brown Jug at your local beer store as well. And fine restaurants and bars will have Little Brown Jug 1919 on tap. Keep an eye out for that. And, of course, littlebrownjug.ca for citywide delivery as well. Every time you watch the National Football League at Boston Pizza, you'll have a chance to win their second grand prize of an incredible trip for two weekend in Vegas, including airfare, hotel, tickets to see the Raiders and 49ers, and the night before on New Year's Eve, Golden Knights and St. Louis Blues. Not to mention pizza flights, $5 beer specials. Always a great spot to watch the National Football League. And no better place to watch the Winnipeg Jets as well. Lots of great prizes being given in. You can spin the prize wheel. Many of the BPs do the pick-a-player promo. And um, you can also be entered to win a VIP experience for four at an upcoming Winnipeg Jets game. Watch the NFL and the Winnipeg Jets and enter to win <clears throat> at your local Boston Pizza, Winnipeg Selkirk, Morton Steinbeck, and Portage La Prairie. There's Hess doing such a great job with the reads. He is at the game right now, Canada down to Belgium. One mil, is that the soccer term? 80th minute. Uh, the Belgium goalie making a lot of saves. Um, next up, we got David Pagnotta, fourth period, talking in hockey uh, at the NHL standings at Thanksgiving. And here we go. David, how's it going? Thank you so much for uh, joining me today. Yeah, absolutely. You, uh, you, you, you're stuck back at the office, eh? And... Yeah, we got Hustler on Twitter posting shirtless uh, videos in the, pool. <laughs> in the pool at the World wow. Cup. I'm here in Winnipeg below below freezing. That, that, that's okay. Yes. A lot of a lot of games say the Jets are playing well. I gotta say though, we're at Thanksgiving break. This is the time the playoffs basically decided. Is any uh big surprises for you? Uh you know, good surprises or bad surprises here as we're approaching uh, American Thanksgiving? Well, I mean, you look at the leaders of the divisions. And I don't think anybody at this stage of quarter market to the season expected Boston, New Jersey, Dallas, and Vegas to be at the top of the divisions. So those are good surprises for at least those fan bases. Like New Jersey's rolling, Boston's on fire. Um, Dallas is getting help everywhere and, and everybody's stepping in. And it helps when, you know, Sagan and Ben are, are playing at, at top tier levels. So those guys are in the mix. And Vegas, I don't think everybody kind of thought they'd be up there. Edmonton or Calgary um, would probably be at the top of the Pacific by now, but and, and mainly because, you know, Robin Leonard was done for the season. But to see Logan Thompson performing well, to get the depth that they're getting, to get their misfit line back on track, uh, Marcius O'Reilly and Carlson, um, 
I don't think anybody really expected those four teams to be the leaders of the pack in their divisions at this point. So good problems uh, for the, uh, not problems, but I, I guess good problem for everybody else. Um, but a good, healthy surprise for, for that. And I think the other one mainly for me is Seattle. Like, the heck did they come from? Well, this is what everybody thought they'd be last season in their first year in the NHL. Um, that didn't go well. They managed to get some offense and, you know, kind of spread things out, getting Bjorkstrand, get, signing Burakovsky and having a full year of Matty Beneers. Yeah, it helps when you get some guys that can put the puck in the net. So if I'm, if I'm looking at pleasant surprises so far, it's probably those five teams. Yeah, we, we almost forgot about Jack Eichel, who's coming and tearing it up. Yeah. On that top line with Vegas, they got two really strong lines. We're all concerned about goaltending. Hasn't been a concern. I agree with you on Seattle. Last year, I was like, what are these guys doing? But they did make some nice offseason moves, getting Bjorkstrand for almost for free and signing Burakovsky and certainly helped with scoring. And they're mm-hmm. getting better goaltending. If you want to go with the uh, bad yeah. surprises, and if you want to say, hey, the playoffs are set today, I mean, Calgary, Edmonton out of a playoff spot, Vancouver. I think major disappointment here for a lot of the Canadian teams, except for Toronto and Winnipeg and maybe Montreal because they really didn't have any expectations. No, well, I mean, the fans are loving it now, but wait till they end up drafting ninth or 10th overall and they all get pissed off because they're like, ah, we should have had a top three pick. Um, But I think more so than anything, like Vancouver, I thought maybe they're going to compete for a wild card spot just because they're D is not good. And it proved to be a little more detrimental than a lot of people anticipated. Um, their decor is just, well, it's rough. Um, you know, you look at Edmonton and you go, okay, well, Jack Eichel was supposed to, or excuse me, Jack Campbell was supposed to be the guy to hold the fourth down. And that hasn't really worked out, but at the same time, defensively, they've had some problems. Um, and that was another area that they needed to address and bolster. They didn't do that. So, you know, you look at them. I mean, Ottawa, I, I thought maybe, 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 maybe they compete for a wild card spot. Yeah, they bring in Giroux. Yeah, they brought in um, Debrinket. But, again, decor, defense, it's still very important in the National Hockey League. And theirs is bad. So, you know, what do you really expect at this point? So, I guess some surprises in terms of, the hype from the summer carrying into the season and, and people thinking they'd be a lot better. The biggest one though, is probably again, Edmonton because um, defensively not good. Um, goaltending has been a struggle for them, obviously. And yeah, they're scoring, but where's the secondary help coming in? So again, depth, uh, another issue for the Edmonton Oilers right now. So, I mean, whatever it's still there's still 50 games to go in the season for these teams um or a little more for some of them so nobody's pressing the panic button in edmonton um but there is certainly some concern as to how this team is going yeah for me at edmonton it just seems like a lot of the questions we had before they got evander kane because he's hurt now they don't have uh the secondary scoring but defense for sure and goaltending jack campbell i mean they're stuck with him now for five more years or four whatever four years uh Stuart and- Skinner's played well. There we go ahead. Well, just to add, like he had, he, he started off, Jack Campbell did started off really well in Toronto last season mm-hmm. and then hit a lull. Like there was a good 10, 12 game stretch where he was not good. And then he managed to get out of his funk and rebound and 
was steady the rest of the way. But that first half of the season, like people were going, oh, man, Jack's a Vesna candidate. He's going to be cashing in huge in the summer. And then he had that 10, 12-game stretch where he was just bad now, like he is now. And that, you know, he managed to get out of that and then was steady the rest of the way. Wasn't the same guy in the first half of the season, but was steady the rest of the way. So he's gone through these funks before, and and I think he can climb out of it. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not, you know, sky is falling right now with respect to him in Edmonton, but he needs to get out of it. And Stuart Skinner has been better. So you're going to give him more time right now. I think he'll even out and, and be steady. But again, depth for me for the Oilers is, is another concern again this season. Yeah, moving on to the, one of the top stories in the league, it's got to be the New Jersey Devils. At the start of the season, the fans are chanting, fire Lindy. Yeah. Uh, and, then they're chanting, in. and now they're on a 13-game winning streak, going for 14 tonight. Uh, how has this team done it here? Uh, now at the top of the Metro Division, uh, comfortably ahead of Carolina. A big part of it is, um, but yes, they're getting depth contributions. I talk about depth at the time. They, they, they're getting a lot of contributions. It's not just yes for Brad, Nico Heischer, and Jack Hughes. They have other guys that are contributing, Bastion and, and Dawson Mercer and Miles um, uh, um, uh, Wood. And John Marino has been a, a rock in the back end, but he's also got like eight, nine points. Dougie Hamilton's doing well. Like they're getting contributions up and down the lineup. Zetterlin is really stepping in there and, they're getting a lot of help, but Vitek Vanacek has been ridiculous in that, like stupid good for this team. And it's a big reason. And you talk to these players and it's a big reason as to why um, they're on top. When your goalie's making that big key save to help propel you forward and you get that motivation, you're jacked up because he made an amazing save. And then you go out there and you, you, you help him out by, by putting the puck in the back of the net. They got guys that can do that. And so it's, it's a full team effort, excuse me, for the, um, for the New Jersey Devils. They're really, really getting the help uh, from all ends of the rink. And when your goalie is 9-0-1 in his last 10 with an under two goals against and a whatever it is, 9-38, something or other save percentage, you usually do, do pretty well. So they're getting it up and down the lineup. We actually had um, James Nichols, who covers the Devils for us at the fourth period, sat down and had a good chat last night with Tom Fitzgerald and their GM, and he talked about the depth contributions for this team, but also Nico Heischer and the calming presence that he brings as captain. Plays a 200-foot game, has been getting better, is definitely doing more offensively, but he's being this leader that can really just be counted on to say the right things at the right moment, calm guys down when they need to calm down and motivate them when they need to. He's not the most vocal, um, flamboyant guy in terms of a public setting, but he's the right guy in the room kind of like a Petrus Bergeron, who's not going to be going all out in public, but he's going to be saying the right things in the room uh, for his teammates. And uh, it's a, another big contributing factor as to why this team is able to stay so confident and stay, uh, and stay on course. Heischer's um, leadership, along with the team's depth, mixed with their goaltending, it's a hell of a recipe for success. Yeah, it's been a real uh, coming out party uh, for Jack Hughes, and I think we can no longer say yes for Brat, one of the most underrated in the league, uh, 24 points in 19 games. And they, they just started contract talks on Monday um, to at least get the ball rolling to see what a, a long-term eight-year extension is really going to look like at this stage. So um, that's something to keep tabs on if you're a Devils fan to see how that kind of 
moves along here over the next few weeks. Yeah, he's making but five point close to five point five this year. Uh, he's probably gonna get a huge raise next season. In terms of signings, we did have one signing today, and this one, uh, yeah. I don't know, surprising, but. Uh, Peter Kochetkov, the rookie goalie of Carolina, is off to a great start, but he's played seven games. Got a four-year, $8 million extension. Are these guys crazy or crazy smart? Look, they, they love to go by the numbers in Carolina, and they've got a good, um, at least from that perspective, they, 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 they can look into their crystal ball and really do well in projecting how a player is going to perform for the most part. Um, Yes, very cut can yeah, I mean, notwithstanding. Uh he's been a little bit rough for them. Um, but with respect to the goaltender, look, he's been he's been solid, he's been steady. And to get a strong number two like that at only a two million dollar cap hit, I think they wanted to take advantage of this pretty early. You're seeing some teams looking at some of their young players that are on expiring deals, and even though they're gonna be RFAs, just looking at them going, we really project this guy to do well. Like there's there's no um, maybe he might falter in year two or year, year three, uh, you know, looking forward, we really feel this guy can be consistent and go on a strong incline. So I think for the most part, you know, this is, this is certainly part of that equation and to get him at $2 million to get a strong, steady, reliable backup at 2 million bucks, um, nowadays is a potential steal if he can keep it up. So they wanted to get that house cleaning in order pretty quick. Yeah, I actually had Freddie Anderson in fantasy, so I picked him up uh, last week, and he's been there you go. he's been pretty solid. We saw him here in Winnipeg uh, on Monday. Yep. Uh, uh, one team that you're close to in Toronto, the Maple Leafs, had a number of injuries on defense. Jake Muzzin, now Morgan Riley, uh, earlier this week, a tough break for them. Are they going to make a move and try to bring in a defenseman? Well, they've been looking since the summer, but the problem with the Maple Leafs and their scenario right now is their cap situation, um, you know, with Muzzin on LTIR and presumably done for the season, um, they're utilizing pretty much all of that space for their call-ups and other guys right now. So now with Riley on LTIR, that will help accrue a little bit of money, but in order for him to come back, they need to have his full cap hit in order for him to play. Um, so to have that space. So they can't just bring somebody in because they've got, let's say 5 million in cap space because he's got to come back. So the tricky part for Toronto now is not only do they want to, you know, figure out their defense, but they need to be able to be in a position to say, okay, well, we can't use our full seven and a half million dollars to Riley because we want him back in the lineup in January. They have to have that money. So it's it, like Florida is going through a very similar situation right now. Anthony Duclair has got a $3 million cap hit. He will be coming back in like mid to second half of December, about three, four weeks from now. They don't have cap space. Like they've got like 80 grand worth of cap space right now, 80, 90 grand. They've got to free up $3 million somehow in order for Duclair to be eligible to play. So either they move him, which they don't want to do. They move Patrick Hornquist, he's got a $5.4 million cap hit. Do they retain money on it? Do they incentivize the team to, to take the full cap in order for Duclair to come back? Like, that's a challenge now for the Panthers and GM Bill Zito. And that's what teams like Edmonton and Toronto don't want to do. Evander Kane's coming back in a few months. They need to have his uh, $7 million cap hit available so he can get it back in the lineup. Same with Toronto and, and Riley. So they could go bargain hunting. 
look for a guy around, you know, eight, nine hundred thousand, a million bucks, maybe 1.1. They've got a little bit of space to play with because they can send some guys down to the A um, and create a little bit of extra space in that regard. But that's the tricky part. If they want to do anything from an impact perspective, they got to move a body out. And that's a big challenge for a lot of teams as we're in this magical cap era. Yeah, last one here as we wrap up, looking at the standings at U.S. Thanksgiving, I did not see the off-season champions, Ottawa Senators, in last place. Yeah. Uh, the curse, the Jets were cursed with being off-season champions last year. Now it's hitting Ottawa. Are we going to see a coaching change there or any changes coming in Ottawa with the start of the season? They've been very adamant. Um, at least Pierre Dorian has been their GM about, no, we're not changing the coach. He's our guy. Um, the problem's on ice. We don't have the, the the assets to really turn this thing around. They've been trying to get a defenseman for weeks. They haven't been able to do that. I mean, Shabbat's going to come back, if not this game, then the next one. Supposed to be back at some point this week. So, you know, that, might, that may help, but they still have deficiencies on that blue line. So they're looking to see how they can bring in somebody on that back end. The problem is they just haven't been able to do it. Yeah, there were the reports of Tyler Myers in, in Vancouver, you know, with, with Zaitsev going back the other way and whatnot. I, I mean, that doesn't like if, if you've seen Tyler Myers the last couple of seasons, he's not been good defensively. So if you're looking, and that's what they need, they need, they need defense. Um, so, you know, maybe a change of sceneries, I guess, kind of sparks things, but I think they go in a different direction at the end of the day, but they haven't been able to find that piece yet. So whether it's, and then the problem, the other problem is because they're last, like they're not going to overpay to bring in a, a, a rental type player because what the heck's the point right now? So they've got to look to bring in somebody that's, you know, got a little bit of term or at least is controllable. But the options from for that particular player are a little bit limited in terms of trying to spend money um, and, and work something out here. So it's a, it's a tough situation for Ottawa. Uh, look, everybody, myself included, expected them to be better. And I think, like I think I mentioned earlier, like I thought maybe they'd be a wild card contender. Whoops. Yeah. Um, fix that D, boys. <laughs> all right. Well, David, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to join us here at Winnipeg Sports Talk. Really appreciate it. Looking forward to seeing all your work at the fourth period. And you can follow you on Twitter as well at uh, the fourth period. There he is, David Pagnotta, fourth period. Uh, follow him on Twitter, as I said, at the fourth period and thefourthperiod.com. Always love having him on and Dennis on just uh, going around the league as we are American Thanksgiving tomorrow. And we can talk about the standings. I saw Frank Saravalli's got his trade targets list out uh, yesterday. So we're kind of getting into rumor season, figuring out who's a playoff team who's not. We talked about some of the disappointments and a great talk in there with David. We do have the Jets game tonight. And uh, here, bring up, uh, I always like looking at the lines for each game, even if you don't bet. I know a lot of people got opinions on gambling, but it is nice to see what does Vegas think about, uh, you know, the game and who's favored, who's not. And uh, shout out to CoolBet, CoolBet.com. We've got the lines here. The Jets, they're actually underdogs tonight in Minnesota. Plus 133. Big slate of games. The NHL schedule, it's been kind of weird lately. Um, you know, last night, two games. Monday, basically, everyone playing. Uh, I think Sunday, there's like two games. You're going from one day, everyone playing, and another day, 
and you know basically no one i don't know what they're doing here i guess we have no hockey games tomorrow it's the nfl there got thanksgiving but they're the jets plus 133 uh underdogs i do like i'm more of a prop guy uh, if you want to look at props mark shafley plus 190 to score not bad dubois plus 205 you want maybe you want to go home cooking blake wheeler plus 295 to score and who had Cole Perfetti's in there? Hey, Sam Gagne in the top line plus three sixty. That's not bad as well. I always like looking at lines. Who's gonna score a number of of games? This Boston Florida game. I mean, Boston's on a roll. Can New Jersey get their thirteenth win in a row against the Leafs tonight? That's a big one there. Minus one thirty six. Not bad. Uh, Val and the Leafs. If you think anyone can can uh, take down uh, New Jersey, Calgary and Pittsburgh. Calgary starting to figure they had a win. Uh, win the other day. Edmonton continues their road trip. I think they're in trouble. Uh, their penalty kill sucks. They got goaltending problems, although Skinner's been good. They don't have uh, scoring depth. Um, but there's a bit of a pick em there against the Islanders. And the late one, you know, could be a couple of lopsided games there. Colorado hosting Vancouver, Vegas hosting Ottawa. And as you mentioned, the Kraken is a surprise team. I agree. Uh, they're hosting the Sharks. I do wonder if Eric Carlson will be dealt he's got the full no move so i don't think so and the high salary uh we'll have to see uh hustler likes to give out some picks i got a couple props here sure i'll give him out carolina i had stefan nosen to score he's on the top line with sebastian aho that was plus 290 i got mark stone to score for vegas against his former team ottawa and plus 190 and jordan Cairo on the top line for the blues there against I'm scrolling around here against the Stabers who played last night. Jordan, that Blues top line been very hot here on this win streak. And, uh, and I was kind of dumping on them. They lost like eight in a row, but they've come back and won that many in a row. So, and Jordan Bennington has played very well. So I think the Central Division is going to be a bit of a battle with the Jets, Colorado, St. Louis, uh, Minnesota. Uh, and there we go. Uh, one of the, I know we got a lot of games on tonight. I got a throw this out to the chat maybe i'm weird but on nights when like this when there's so many games on i love the package i like flipping back and forth but i don't know what you guys but when there's a shootout i just flip the channel i don't care maybe it's because i play fantasy and you can't get fantasy points in the shootout maybe i don't actually care maybe if i have a bet on a straight bet on the game i care about who wins but i want to go see other action i don't care about watching shootouts I do wonder if we'll ever uh, see a change there. Uh, maybe I'm maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm the weird one who doesn't watch shootouts, but we'll see. But uh, yeah, so many games on tonight. The Jets starting at six o'clock in Minnesota. Holiday, uh, you know, the night before Thanksgiving. I think it's a big party night in the U.S. So I'm assuming a, a really good crowd should be a great game. And yes, it is a national game on Sportsnet. And that'll do it for me. What a great show. Thanks for everyone who tuned in instead of uh, watching the Canada game. And yes, Canada did lose against Belgium. They had so many chances to score. Weren't able to put one past the keeper uh, for using soccer terms. And Husser will be on tomorrow talking about his experience. And we'll be talking about the game. And we'll also be recapping the Jets game. So if you are here, you lasted the whole show. Thank you so much, everyone. Uh, make sure you hit the like button. That thumbs up. Uh, tells YouTube we got some good content and it'll show it to more people. Help us get more subscribers. We've kind of been locked in. We got 8,500. So make sure you hit the red subscribe button 
if you haven't. And I got some got some comments here in chat. Bobby B says thanks. Jeff Cabell's great job. MC Stormy, no more loser points in OT. That's a different discussion. Dustin thinks I'm weird for not watching overtime. And Lowry's right hand says the NHL scheduling is awful with everyone playing one night and two teams on the next. It is is very weird. Kevin Kowalk, how red is Huss going to be tomorrow? We'll have to see. Go to Hustler's Twitter at Hustleram, and I'll have to post some stuff on the Winnipeg Sports Talk Instagram of him at the game. We weren't going to play his shirtless pool video, which broke the internet. That's not, I don't know if, I think YouTube would probably censor us if we put that on. Uh, one of the RS, how close were we to 80? I think we got 8,500, right? 8,458, I think. Uh, so appreciate it. Um, oh, hey, that's the end of the show. Again, thanks to all our guests. Uh, Marat, uh, Darren, Billick, and we had Jesse uh, Pierce and uh, David Pagnotta at the end. Thanks to all of our sponsors for making this happen. And thanks to all you guys for listening. We couldn't do that if no one, no one listened, right? Uh, so thank you so much, everyone. And enjoy the Jets game tonight. And we'll be back at 1 o'clock tomorrow. Bye-bye. Oh, my God. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.